Hi, floppers. Before we start our regular nonsense, we wanted to make sure you knew the Flophouse is going on a four-city West Coast tour this January. It's the Flophouse Errors Tour, the biggest event in pop culture entertainment this year, probably. You can see us in Vancouver on Wednesday, January 24th at the Rio Theater, in Portland on Thursday, January 25th at the Aladdin Theater, in San Francisco on Friday, January 26th at Cobb's Comedy Club as part of San Francisco Sketchfest, and in Los Angeles on Sunday, January 28th at the Regent Theater. For tickets, go to flophousepodcast.com slash events. Again, that's flophousepodcast.com slash events. The Flophouse Live. It's like the podcast, but you can smell us. And now, without further ado, our regular nonsense. On this episode, we discuss The Flash. Or, as its North American title, Ricky O, the story of Ricky and the Flash. <laughs> ah, we did it. We got all the way there. <laughs> Double level reference. It was a long walk, and we got all the way there. <laughs> Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. Can't wait to do whatever it is we do on this Flophouse podcast. Dan, what is it that well, we do? Let me explain it to you, friend. Uh, we watch a bad Let's movie. Let's not be familiar, Dan. <laughs> I've known you how long now? Is it 20 years? Would you Almost 20 years now, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a best man at your wedding. That's true. Uh, uh-huh. You were best man at my wait, was second. I a best man? No, well, no, it wasn't. At that point, at that time, you know, I hadn't known you for quite. You were there quite Stuart. as long. You were a, you were an yeah, invitee. No, you were both no, best no, men yeah. at my recent wedding. Yeah, no, well, sure. not that yeah. recent, Dan. You're yeah. getting older. Well, I mean, two years ago. I mean, like the thing is, because I'm getting older, two years is but a drop in the bucket of my yeah, <laughs> of yeah, my life. oceans just, of time that yep. is Dan's life. Yeah, just a drop uh, in the well, pee bucket of a, time. Little stroll down memory lane and airing. So what we do on this podcast is we figure out who's been at whose weddings and how long ago they were. Who's the best friend of whom? (laughs) But what do we really do, Dan? uh, No, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, as I told Stuart uh, over text last week, we had the dessert of watching Mafia Mama. Uh (laughs) Now he has to eat his vegetables and watch The Flash. Of course, for our listeners, that will be two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. and, you know, uh, it's just funny that we're reaching a point in history where Stuart is like, oh, God, we got to watch The Flash. Mm, but Mafia Mama, yum, yum, yum. Super excited about watching <laughs> Mafia Mama. Uh, and uh, I think audiences were kind of, I mean, they didn't embrace Mafia Mama like Stu did, but they are also getting But they alternately did not embrace The Flash particularly either. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, guys, I don't want to speak out or anything, but sometimes I think the audiences get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but <laughs> with the Flash or with Mafia Mama? Mafia Mama, the Flash. With they Mafia got it Mama, right. I feel like it was a lack of access and knowledge necessarily. The Flash yeah. was a movie that you really had to go Didn't, out of your way to not be yeah. aware of. Well, whereas mm-hmm. Mafia Mama, until Stuart said we've got to do Mafia Mama, I had not heard of it. I oh, think yeah. I saw it once and then forgot about it entirely. That is the question like at this point like Mafia Mama whether or not you... <laughs> I like that our Flash episode has turned into part two of the coverage of Mafia <laughs> yeah. Mama. Whether or not you liked it as Stuart and Hallie and I basically did, or in Hallie and Stuart's case, 
very much did. Loved it. Or, yeah. Yeah, or loved it. you know, marginally or more disliked it like Elliot did. Mm-hmm. Like it's a movie that, as they would say, needed to find its audience. And we are mm-hmm. living in a world now where movies that side are not allowed to find their audience, well, except for maybe seven years later on a streaming service when they inexplicably start trending or When they suddenly like become the biggest hit of the summer. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, we're living at a time when it is easier than ever to get access to a movie like Mafia Mama, but it is mm-hmm. harder mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. learn about a movie like Mafia Mama because where are you going to hear about it? You're probably not going to see a trailer for it before another movie in the theater you are probably not – there's not going to be a huge ad campaign. You're not going to look at the newspaper section – the film section of the newspaper to see Remember what the showtimes are. Remember that oh, when that you had to look so at that? Yeah. And, and they find had like out. big full-page ads and shit. And yet, yeah. and yet, Mafia Mama is available to anyone who has a computer or tablet. You know, whereas in yeah. the past, you would have had to at least have access to a video store or a cable channel that might show it. And in earlier times, you'd have to have access to a theater that was actually screening Mafia Mama. So it is both easier to – Get those movies, but harder to learn about them. Strange, Whereas huh? The Flash was all over the place, both— Everywhere, because uh, he runs so fast. Both in advertisements and in news stories, and uh, yeah. News Man, stories? What kind of news stories were there yeah, about The Flash? There was a lot of Ezra Miller news that was— Oh, that's uh, true. That's a fair point. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ezra Miller, they did do their best to get out word of The Flash in a—not necessarily positive or helpful way, yeah. uh, but in a way of becoming a national scandal. Yeah, sure. I it's almost to, like Ezra Miller should have been playing the reverse Flash. They kind of mm-hmm. do in this movie. I know, Spoiler that's alert. the setup, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just not the you, Professor Zoom reverse Flash. And you make a good point. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, there's a guy named Professor Zoom. <laughs> what I love about the character of the reverse Flash, who is not really in this movie, is that he has two names, Professor okay. Zoom and the reverse Flash. And he's often called Professor Zoom, comma, the reverse Flash, which if I you love. Got, if you got fucking smoked by a bad guy and his name was Professor Zoom, it's like, what a disgrace. Yeah, I think you that's why they started calling him- the bridge the, of swords, sir. <laughs> I think that's why they started calling him the reverse Flash, yeah. It's a little bit like if you were, if you were a wrestler and you were defeated by Doink. Uh, it really hurt your now, record, I assume. wouldn't a reverse flash be super slow? That's the problem with This is a, a very yeah, good point. That's actually either, a really good point. He's, he's not super slow. He doesn't run backwards, but first. It, there's really not that much reverse uh, other than that he has, wears a different uh, color costume. Regular, Barry Allen runs butt first to punch <laughs> a in A couple movie. of times, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, uh, one thing I, I do want to— How else do you go back in time? You have to run butt first. <laughs> that's true, you have to run butt first. Otherwise, you only go forward in time, yeah. Uh, b- before we get into it, um, that's why they call it ass backwards. <laughs> we've, uh-huh. in we time. To, <laughs> we've said it a few times. Uh, I want to acknowledge Einstein it. said that, right? I want yeah, to yeah. acknowledge and that Iron Maiden, uh, title that Iron Maiden album, Some Button Time. Uh, Dan, what are we gonna say? No, no, it's fine. Let's talk about butt first for a while. Um, no, Dan, just, we, if ever anyone should be excited to have this this uh, platform to talk about butts, it is you, noted uh, butt lover. Uh, look, uh, there's a hierarchy. There's Maslow's hierarchy of interruptions. <laughs> oh, <I see. laughs> it's just so like at the top of that would I'd be, be help. To, I'm being eaten by a crocodile. That would be your number one most important interruption. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you were in danger and you're interrupting me saying something, then then I would be much more forgiving. Than <laughs> just a continuation of this butt bit. Still annoyed, but he'd be forgiving. No, I just wanted to acknowledge up top because I'm afraid that I will mess up or something. Like, uh, of course, Ezra Miller uses they them pro- pronouns when we talk about Barry Allen, the Flash. We will be saying he him because that character 
Yes. Is that he, character him. uses those pronouns. But if I ever accidentally uh, uh, refer to the actor, I apologize in advance. I'm going to try and uh, keep my brain Don't worry. Straight. Alex will have you record uh, uh, they and a them drop, a couple times like a and then just cut it in whenever yeah, it'll you sound fuck like, up. My good friend, Mr. Black <laughs> <laughs> from The Simpsons. Yep. Um, uh, who's in charge here? Who's who's running? I'll this? take this one. You know what? Let me take the let me take the wheel oh, uh, on this one. Okay. <laughs> so are you guys, uh, we're talking about DC movies again, again. Wow, you know it. The, the, the world keeps turning, and uh, <laughs> but for not too like much longer, probably with the DC. Movies. I I was about to say that like I don't really know that much about the Flash, but I feel like I watch a bunch of the Flash TV show. Uh, sure. Is that okay. The same I mean, I can't fact check that. I don't know what you've watched and haven't watched. <laughs> was it in the Was it in the Flash TV show where Gorilla Grodd went back in time to kill Obama when he was in college? What? <laughs> I think that I mean, happens. probably. That sounds like the kind of great storyline you would have on a Flash TV show. <laughs> I I I watched you know maybe the first four Flashes and enjoyed them, but it was you know it's one of these things where. Much as I think the Flash, the movie, suffers from the glut of superhero stuff, I was like, eh, do I need to watch this sort of like maybe B-minus superhero show that in previous years I would be like, yeah, yeah, the Flash. You well, know? and this that there's a there's too much superhero stuff. We'll just say that right off the bat. It takes take it for granted. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that would be fun or exciting if I hadn't seen it many many times before. And but that, a thing that I you know 20 years ago. I could never have imagined saying that yeah. there's yes. too much superhero there's, stuff. Me sitting as, as I think I've said before, me as a teenager watching the Spawn movie in the theaters purely because I wanted to support any movie based on a comic book, even one <laughs> about a character I do not like and do not care about. I, now, what did you like, think of that what? movie? <laughs> it's not a good movie. And I just the my the lasting memory of it is the scene where John Logazamo as the violator, the clown mm-hmm. demon, is standing in front of a little girl and his head shrinks as a balloon in his hand that's also of his head gets bigger and it looks bizarre and the little girl watching him is not phased does not react as if this is not a thing a clown usually does exchange his head with a balloon you know at a you know in front on your doorstep we should revisit that movie maybe for one of our live shows because that has among other things some of the wildest early cgi just i saw some of it recently and it looks so delightfully bad (laughs) i wish i had i wish i had faith in anything as much as the filmmakers had in the CGI department, <laughs> making it look realistic. Now, uh, so, but I will say also, the Flash is it. He's an interesting. He's an interesting situation because he is both a top tier and a kind of B level DC superhero. Haters come at me, but like he's very famous. He's very well known. Mm-hmm. I think it's partly because his costume is great and his power is very easy to understand. That he's fast, but he's mm-hmm. he's always been kind of like, and he's a member of the Justice League. But he's not quite at that same level as Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, where people generally get excited about the mm-hmm. idea of him. You know, well, he's I- more of a Green Lantern level, where it's like you are important to the DC universe, but you are not. That interesting. I'm sure. I'm sure he has his fans. And the I'm beginning sure he does. Of, yes, and he can be written film, very well. The beginning of this film makes some hay out of that. Like that's kind of the vibe we start off with, where you know he's fourth down the call sheet when there's a disaster, but he, but he, he has to step uh, yeah. up. And, I, I and this the is difference, his first movie, right? This is his first solo film. Okay. The, the Flash character. The, so the Flash has been in the. You know, we saw him in Justice League. You know, and there was also the like Dan and you said the Flash TV show that had a different mm-hmm. Flash in a different universe. You know, mm-hmm. but um, this is the first Flash solo film. They've been trying to make one for years. This movie was in in the making for years with different people in, uh, involved behind the scenes. 
Uh, but there's something about, well, let's get into it. I think, Dan, the, the, the thing we'll get into, the thing that bugs me about him being fourth down the call sheet is rather than making him a character who's just not at the same level as the others, they go the way that the Marvel movies have done with Superman, where they make him a goof fuck up who cannot do a single <laughs> fucking thing right, which well, makes me so mad. that it's like, There's so many times this where the Flash is just fucking up. It's not even that he does the wrong thing or makes a mistake. He's just doing stupid things. He's being dumb. Pardon my language, but still. <laughs> I, will, I will argue that in that, when we first see him, he very accomplished. Uh, he 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 does a rescue where he does some pretty amazing things. That's true. We'll talk babies. about it. And then we meet an alternate version, arguably who, super thing, who has not nope. gone through the. But the as we'll also say, but, that, no, no. Uh, but also, he goes back in time. The first thing he does is starts talking to his parents, and then go out of his way to go talk to his past self. What are you, yeah. an idiot? Come on. Anyway, so we'll get to it. Let's start with the movie. Barry Allen, The Flash, played by Ezra Miller. Uh, is uh, just wants his morning sandwich or whatever, and he's annoyed by a gossipy sandwich maker who is taking a long time making a sandwich. And he's got like the, big Sheldon vibes here, right? Yes. Well, that's Bazinga the thing. Sheldon. I think that they are. Well, I think they are. Really you know, Bazinga Sheldon. The yeah, Bazinga yeah. Sheldon. Yeah. Yeah. He wears like I, a flash shirt. Yeah, shit, right? be, be, as you may know him as Young or Why Sheldon, but uh, <laughs> as in Why Sheldon? Why? Why this show? But the, I think they are really leaning into the idea of the Flash as being somewhat in that kind of Big Bang Theory on the spectrum way, uh-huh. as maybe as a result of him moving so fast that it's hard for him to concentrate. He It's hard for him to interact with people. But mm-hmm. with these movies, it's hard to know when a character is just supposed to be a dork, like a ner- an awkward nerd, or when they're supposed to be somewhere well, neurodivergent. Also, it's particularly, hard to in this opening scene, they do a really good job I will say as an audio audience member or an audio member, an audience member. <laughs> it is an audio medium podcasting, uh, yeah. G- getting you annoyed at this fucking sandwich guy. Yeah. That's it was true. a real very <laughs> annoying. Slow, takes a long time. Irritating I mean, as, man. As we'll see, takes rough at least 15 minutes or to 20 minutes to <laughs> yeah, make this yeah, breakfast yeah, sandwich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. meanwhile, so, in fact, he should this service worker should probably be fired, right, Dan? Well, I'm not going to ask this. Or the maybe manager. I'm like killed by a stray bullet or the something. Fl- the Flash. <laughs> Mr. Barry Allen, The Flash, you know, one of the important things about uh, him is he needs calories. Like his, he's got yes, that he burnt, Flash His metabolism. metabolism is super fast because he's always running. And running so he's like, he, he needs this sandwich empty. to save people. <clears throat> and this person's taking so much time. And as someone who doesn't have superpowers but gets very hangry, I was like, yeah. get him that fucking food, you dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. it does do a good job. So the movie, if, if it accomplishes nothing else, it does a very good job of making us annoyed at this slow service worker. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, while he's waiting, Alfred calls. There's a robbery in Gotham City. All the other heroes are busy. As Dan mentioned, he's fourth down the call sheet. The Flash, he's he goes, okay, he suits up. He's The sandwich maker has his back to him, does not does not even know what's going on. Suits up, is about to run to Gotham. The Flash logo starts coming up on the screen and then someone, like a nerdy fan goes, oh my God, The Flash, I love you. And it interrupts him and it's a very awkward moment and then the logo comes back up and he runs. And this was one of those things where it was like, Oh, I get it. You're kind of being the. You want to Deadpool it up. You want to like play around with the with the formal nature of the film in a cheeky kind of sarcastic way, but it doesn't mean or do anything. And the the idea that Flash has fans, even if they are dorky fans, fights against the every the personification of the Flash from that point on. You know, the idea Mm -hmm. that he is the one that the superhero that characters don't really respect or pay attention to. I see what you're saying, but I I don't know. I mean, like. 
and there's, you know, every dorky celebrity. <laughs> That's true. Fans. That's a good point. Case in <laughs> like, point. Yeah, us look at us. Boys. Uh, I wouldn't call dorky. a celebrity. <laughs> I, when people ask me, they go, they go, are you famous? And I go, I'm a minor notable. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. I'm a minor notable. I'm oh, a wow. footnote now, to entertainment. Now, what's quotable? My quotable is seven hundred thousand dollars. So that's why, <laughs> oh, wow. if you want me, that's what it's going to cost. Uh, but you get everything for that for one night. Everything, everything? for okay. one night, for one magical night. That sounds I, like a decent proposal. I have to take out a loan, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I can't deny that I'm a little curious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should try it out. Yeah, let's go <laughs> treat, for it. Treat Come yourself. On. Try anything once. Dan, I'll give you the friends and family rate of $900,000. It's more expensive because it'll be more awkward because you're a friend or family. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. because of all the eye contact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. One of the rules is no eye contact. Everything except eye contact. And no kissing on the mouth either. No, man. Anyway, but uh, actually, you know what, Dan? For you, I'll kiss you on the mouth. But still no eye contact. We have to close our eyes. Yeah. So anyway, he— he races through the CGI landscape of America to get to Gotham City because he's in Central City, which is kind of like Detroit. And Gotham City is, of course, New York. Uh, and Ben Affleck, Batman, is dealing with a mobster who stole a deadly virus from a hospital. Somehow this robbery caused the ground under the hospital to collapse. And now the hospital is in danger of collapsing. And Batman I'm is fine like, with that. That's fine. And, <laughs> Batman is like, Flash, take care of this collapsing hospital while I chase the bad guys with reckless disregard for the lives of civilians. Like it is, it says so much about the DC characters. They have no regard for any other human being that might be in their path unless they're, unless their job is to save that specific person. And it's Flash's job because, uh uh-oh, what's about to happen? The building tilts and dozens of babies fall out of the window. (laughs) This is the scene you may have seen online. And I've got to say, uh, out of context, this looks ridiculous. In context, you can tell it's supposed to look ridiculous. You know, yeah. this is supposed to be silly. I I really liked this scene. I got to, like uh-huh. of the action sequences in the movie. By far, this is the one oh, I liked. This is the I think most. so too. Yeah, this is yeah, the one I, I I like it because it's so silly. Because it's, it's like literally silly. like and also a bunch for, of babies are falling. And yes. first he runs out of energy, so he has to smash a vending machine and gobble down as many candy bars as he can. And then he saves the babies in very cartoonish ways. He puts one in mm-hmm. an unplugged microwave. He throws a bedpan to knock a flamethrower away or a flame propul- jet yeah. or something away from another one. It feels like – the thing is about this scene, it feels like a parody of a superhero movie. It feels like the movie is trying for – Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool silliness, and it has gone all the way forward into Batman 66 kind of Wait, parodying the original source material. And there was that part where the Flash's pants catch on fire and one of the baby pees on the fire to put it up. No, <laughs> I don't remember that. This is a dream you had after. <laughs> I mean, I could have believed it in there. Like, yeah. But, uh, uh, and the Flash wanna, establishes, yeah. I want to step back and just like the worried audience member who might be listening to us, uh, the baby gets put in the microwave, so it, it it's an unplugged it can be microwave, safe from some fire. Yeah, this isn't an yes. episode of the fucking boys or something where <laughs> no, the baby explodes. explodes. And, anyway. and a flash establishes when he's moving really fast, it's difficult for him to touch another human being without hurting them. So he can't mm. just pluck these babies out of the air. He has to use objects around him to get the babies out of danger. And I do like fun- when he when he touches objects that are kind of frozen in the by the speed force. Like they light up a different color, like you're playing a video game. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Well, a lot of this movie looks like a video game. We'll get to that. That's and that's the thing. Like I feel like that is such a cliche to say is to be like, oh, this whole thing looks like a video game. But like for real, there's whole swaths of this movie that look like a fucking cutscene well, from Injustice, because and it's the vi- fucked up. 
But also the fight <laughs> scenes later on are not just very heavily CGI, but they are framed like a video game level. Like you are lo- you are watching from a camera point of view that you would be watching from if it was a a fighting game of some if it was a like um mm-hmm. not a side scrolling fighting game like Street Fighter, but you know what I mean like a you know um. Uh, well, like I, a beat em up game or something. Yeah, exactly. Some game where you're wandering, like if, if you're playing a Batman video game and you're wandering around Gotham City beating mm-hmm. people up, it looks mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, this movie is, it, it's, it's got a hard challenge ahead of it. It wants to make you feel for this character after you have seen a scene where he is plucking babies or, he, or he's using bedpans to save babies. I do not think it can clear this bar. Let's <laughs> find out. You're, you're, you're like he's, this is a save the cat moment. This is what makes you care for him. I he saves. A bunch of babies, which no, are like human cats. The rea- we've established that the reality of this movie <laughs> Stuart, is so why don't you, silly. Uh, suck that closer to the microphone. Yeah, yeah, I'm just sucking, <laughs> sucking that. Just, <laughs> anyway, long story short, bats and flash. Okay. They they catch the baddies. Wonder Woman stops by for a completely unnecessary cameo, where she uses her truth lasso to make the heroes say embarrassing things about themselves. Uh, flat, this is a scene. What did you, how did you guys feel about this joke? I felt like this was a joke that was pushing things a little too far for me. Uh, I I figure. I'll be honest, I don't know whether you'll take this as an insult or a compliment or neutral. I I was like, Elliot's going to have problems with this moment. Elliot's going to think this yeah, breaks yeah. it too much. I, I liked it because I think that the movie does a couple of these things, but not as much as like movies that are really just like, fuck it, break the reality, like That's make true. a superhero I, joke. I'll tell you this, you know? it's like, I would like this joke if the Flash was not part of a larger universe that already had an established tone, I feel mm-hmm. like what this movie is hurt in ways that are maybe unfair to it as a singular film, it because it is so clashing with the tone that the DC movie universe has set up for me up to this point. And so, for Batman to grab a, last, a truth lasso and to say, "Well, really, if I want to stop crime, I should do things like affect the roots of crime, which are poverty. I should give money to people, and then let's go with the lasso." Once you've had Batman say that, I can no longer take a guy who dresses up in a bat costume and beats up people with mental because problems. Because he's self-aware. As a hero. Exactly, because he's self-aware. Once he's said that, and yeah, then, yeah. And, yeah. And, and Like the Ezra, truth lasso's fucking therapy? Yes, mm. and Ezra Miller, uh, or the Flash rather, not as much. The Flash grabs the lasso and says, I've heard of sex, but I've never experienced it. And that was a little too far for me where it was like, Okay, maybe this character's a virgin, but it feels like a very easy go-to to establish, yeah. oh, yeah. he's kind of a, he's a nerd, so he's a virgin. Like, well, also, I mean, I, because I mean does the, the thing. truth lasso make you just blurt stuff out? Well, or that's does the it other make thing. you tell the truth? It, like, it does, I think, make I you blurt remember. stuff out okay. as according to this, you know. Um, the, anyway, but, and also, and also the fact that the Wonder Woman cameo is unnecessary. There's no reason for her to be there. I kind of see what you're saying, Elliot, but also if you're going to create this big universe, I like that there are different tones in it, and I would certainly prefer this tone to yes. the Justice League tone. So. Well, I'll give you that. If the Justice League movies were funny, yeah, I wouldn't have as big an issue with it, and I would enjoy it more. I think this yeah. this scene would work for me in the event in, a, in an Avengers movie, for instance, or a Marvel movie, just because right. the other movies are not trying to convince me that they are on – Schindler's List level seriousness. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I, think- I mean, I, I feel like saying this cameo is unnecessary. I mean, uh, it's it's meant it's like part of a joke. I feel like that's fine. Like yeah, it doesn't I have guess to. So. You don't need it to relate to the plot. No, that's true. Speaking of plot, we got some heavy plot we're about to get to. Flash runs back to Central City just in time to get his sandwich, but he's late for work at the crimes forensic lab where his mean coworkers are making fun of him. And guys. Maybe this says more about me about the movie. The most exciting moment to me in this entire movie was when Saoirse Monica Jackson from Derry Girls showed up as one of his mm, as one of his mm, mean coworkers. Oh, that's who that I love is. her. I love that show. So it was like it, the same way that I was 
telling people this recently that if I was watching any movie and Rick Moranis showed up in it, I would lose my shit. I would be so excited about it. And yeah. so this was, yeah. this, I was like, nothing in this movie is exciting me. Oh, but this actress I like from this TV <laughs> show is in it. This is yeah. great, yeah. you know? And she's funny as the alternate universe version of herself later on too. Yes. I mean, she's a very funny performer. Uh, so anyway, uh, he also runs into his college crush, Iris West, who, as we know from the comic books that eventually he marries, uh, who is now a reporter covering Flash's dad's murder trial because as you may remember from the Justice League movie, Flash's dad is on trial for allegedly murdering Flash's mom. Of course, Barry knows that this is not the case. He has security footage of his dad in a store when the crime is committed. Unfortunately, his dad's wearing a hat and he never looks up at the camera, so he can't see his face clearly enough for the footage to be an alibi for him. He's got to flash that punum, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Whereas we all know that— Why hide your light under a bushel? His father's—his uh, father, Ron Livingston's only real crime was uh, stealing all those portions of a penny— in the in the in <laughs> oh office space yeah, yeah yeah oh right right I was like Superman three well yeah <laughs> I mean they, they make a point of saying they're just doing the Superman three thing that's right but I had forgotten I forgotten that it, they that, that that was what office See, space, office space I barely seem remember like the plot in office space movie. no oh no I like office space I just didn't remember the plot you know okay um I mean I like. Mike Judge's stuff. There's not, you know, <laughs> King of the Hill is one of the greatest shows. It's ever interesting made. how little plot there is on Office Space. By the time that rolls around in the movie, it's like it's more like they've just been hanging out with these guys for a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Uh Steven it's like the movie Root. is like uh, we should probably there, have great. them do something. Uh, <laughs> so uh Dad on the phone with Flash is like, hey, just give up. I'll go to jail forever. I didn't kill your mom, but I guess there's nothing we can do he's about like, it. Stop worrying about me. You should go on dates, kid. Yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, which uh, classic? <laughs> Wonder is, Woman I, told me you're a virgin. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the Flash is I I don't believe Jewish, but it is a very Jewish parent to be like no. Go on a date. Let me mold her in jail for a crime I didn't commit. <laughs> yeah. I don't care as long as you're happy. You know. Well, based on his mom later, he's half Italian, but uh, Alan, you know, that sounds like Alan is a classic English, Jewish name. Alan does sound like Italy. Italian. So no, I'm saying the mom is Italian. <laughs> it also oh, sounds like his father's alien. name. Alan. Do you think he's an alien? Probably. So you're saying that maybe his mother is Italian Jewish, like Sephardic, and that's why. But I'm it's, not saying but, anything. I'm saying that we have some. <laughs> <laughs> Some evidence as to Barry as to the, Allen's the ethnicity, uh, ethnicity of Barry Allen. Okay, yeah. that's fair. So, um, so Flash goes into a flashback that is the crux of the film. Uh, he flashes back to the day. That's why it's called a flashback. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it's called a flashback because they knew eventually it would occur the in the movie The Flash. <laughs> went back in time using his flash powers. And yep. they're like, oh, and he invented the word flashback in the past, and that's why we know oh. it now. Yeah, exactly. To paradox. Yeah. 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 So, he, but he doesn't Not just use one his dox, powers. A paradox. For this. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't use his powers to do this flashback. He uses the power that we all have access to: our memories. Right. Yes. He enters his memory palace, or as, or as it's also known, his memory, to mm -hmm. uh, to remember something. Uh, and so, Flash remembers as it's going to turn out, the day that his mother died, which starts with his mom telling him. Coincidentally enough, the moral of the movie. Yeah. She's, he's doing his math homework and he's very frustrated. And she goes, look, some, not every problem has a solution. Sometimes you need to let go, which is good this, life advice. It's bad advice for math homework. Yes. Yeah. And also, didn't he like, I, th I feel like he said something like, I can see so many possible ways of doing this or something like before that. Maybe something I like that, the, yeah. It's I'm possible. Like, That's a direct contradiction of what she's saying. Like if there's like a thousand ways of doing it, then she's like, 
Sometimes there's no answer. But also, I don't think anyone's giving math homework that has no answer. That has no answer. And certainly not at that level. He's an elementary school kid. Certainly, They're not dealing with unprovable theorems at that level. He's he's clearly doing addition. He's not trying to get in the fucking Starfleet or something. (laughs) No. He's like, Mom, this Kobayashi Maru is not working for me. That's the the point of the test, son. You're supposed to learn there's no answer. That doesn't make sense as a test for mathematicians. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, they forgot the tomatoes. Dad goes to the store to get the canned tomatoes. Mom starts singing and dancing with Kid Barry. uh, And cut to dad gets back home. The mom has been stabbed. Young Barry, who I guess was upstairs when this was happening, he's like, his dad is like, call 911. And young Barry instead runs out of the house. uh, And the... And I guess it's supposed to be because the Flash, he's always running. The Flash is so mm-hmm. upset by this memory that he just starts running super fast. And he runs so fast that he bursts into a kaleidoscopic memory world that mm. is a, like a time travel dimension. Let's say it's yeah. the speed zone or something. The time arena or whatever. And it transport- <laughs> yeah, he's in the yeah, time so, arena. So when he gets into the speed zone, that's a stand up and cheer moment. But in the time arena, it's mm-hmm. more of a sit down and go, huh, moment. You know, it's not, yeah. not quite a stand up and cheer. Well, also, I'm wondering, so- He's got to be running this whole time, right? Or, yeah. or like, or is he just vibrating so fast? Is that what's going on? I don't know. Because later on, when? he's just like standing around. That's in what the I'm time saying. Arena. He's like hanging out in this time arena, and I'm wondering, like, in the real world, in our time, is like he just speeding around the world over oh, and over again. I think again, he's just—he's no longer on our plane of reality. Various once, things. Yeah. <laughs> once he gets to the time arena, I think he is no longer in our physical reality. He is in okay. some sort of alternate space like where a multiverse you can, of madness. Mm. Yes, exactly. Or like uh, I just read uh, Avram Davidson's Masters of the Maze and he's entered this kind of time space maze that there are many entryways to, but unfortunately the evil Chulpex are trying to use it to invade our world with yeah, their bizarre like insectoid them. hive society. Anyway, yeah. this is a real fun book. Uh, but yeah, I think he is not, I don't think he's like in his mind in this past space, but in reality running around. I think he just burst through the time barrier to this alternate Limbo, you know, or this, this, uh, what they would call in, uh, at one point the DC universe had something called, uh, uh, I forgot it was crisis time or something. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, it was a thing they, in- oh, hyper time. They introduced this thing called hyper time oh, cool. okay. as a way of having multiple universes. But anyway. It's like time that to- changes color when you put like some yeah. heat on it. When yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It's thermally color changing heat time. <laughs> you know? uh, 90s kids will remember. <laughs> oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slap bracelets, etc. So, uh, and that he. I goes, almost fucking said slap bracelets. I, I was also thinking <laughs> that's uh, the other uh, just key, kill us all. gimmicky <laughs> like thing you could wear from our childhood. Yep, hypercolor shirts, mind. slap bracelets. Uh, yeah. What a great time! What a time to be alive! The Cold War mm-hmm. had just ended. Shirts yeah. could change color. Uh huh. Yeah. Economic prosperity. And now I'm imagining the Stephen King of our generation who's writing a story and he's like, mm, back when I was a kid, shirts could change color, not like these modern shirts. They're so disappointing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. We were all listening to, to Spice Girls back then, real music. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Flash manages to transport himself back in time a day by traveling yeah. this way. And that mm-hmm. night, maybe maybe the next night, I don't know, he's hanging out with Bruce Wayne in what, like an alleyway or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they got like a lot I, of that alleyways. I want to take a brief sidebar and just say that this is my a favorite brief cyborg. <laughs> this is my brief. This He's is not my, in this movie. Oh. This is my favorite iteration of Affleck as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because, like, you know, we all know he's over it by this time, and like, 
his attitude sort of hanging out with Barry Allen is also like over it. Like, it's like, I guess this guy's one of my closest friends. Yeah. I gotta well, put I, up with it them. Feels, it feels very true to Batman to me that he's yeah. kind of over it and not in, not enthusiastic about anything, you know? Yeah. But I, I just like him in this mode, this sort of more human. The weirdest side. part is that, yeah, I do too. you know, they're having a conversation and Iris West sees this and she's just like, oh, wow, you have rich friends. And I'm like, <laughs> You know who that is, right? He's like a billionaire. Mm. You know, that's Batman. I mean, he's, that's Bruce what, Wayne. He's got to be one of the most famous people in the country yeah. at this point. Who's you know, able to he's, drive himself playboy. places? He's a billionaire yeah. playboy. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he can drive himself places. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't have a driver. <laughs> he doesn't have to ask for his uh, mom or dad to borrow uh, no, the car. He they can don't rent a car. Yeah. Famously, they're Whoa. dead. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he could do it. He could have cereal for breakfast. He doesn't need to ask his parents <laughs> he can do permission. Whatever he wants. Yeah, play video games all day. His parents are he's he's, he's an orphan. Stop, stop, stop talking about this guy. It's making me very sad. <laughs> yeah, it is very sad. So, what have uh, I done in my life that I don't just do that all day long? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Bruce Wayne. Oh, so not sad about Bruce Wayne losing his parents as a child. I don't care sad about that, that no. about the emptiness of your life. What I've lost in okay. the, my Stu metaphorical wants to be loss home of parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining a grown man watching Home Alone and being like, ugh, if only, what a dream. And it's like, but you are Home Alone all the time. Just do, do what you want. I mean, I feel like there, there's a there's a lot of action movies that are built around the premise that a guy's family is killed and he has to go on revenge. And I feel like Home Alone is kind of like that. <laughs> where he's like, yeah, oh, well, I thought you were going to pitch a movie where it's like, well, you know, honestly, it's very sad. But on the other hand... I have all this free time. Now. All this time now, so it's a little responsibility. Time enough at last. Well, Home Alone and then in a way, the glasses it's kind of, break. Home Alone is kind of like Die Hard, in that it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Home Alone mm-hmm. Two also like Die Hard, in that it is also a Christmas movie. Okay. Uh, similarly, Do you have Gremlins. Any, have any more? Uh, other Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Is, is, kind is of Christmas, Christmas with the Cranks a Christmas about? movie, or is it an <laughs> ironic know. title? Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I don't know if you mm. realize this. This is a Christmas movie. Really. Yeah. What about Santa Claus the movie? Is that is that a Christmas movie? <laughs> uh, what about, that what about the ref? That's is kind of an elder Christmas movie. <laughs> the ref? Yeah. 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 Sure. The ref is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any movie that takes place during Christmas is by definition okay, a Christmas cool. movie. Yeah. Oh, we did it, guys. Yeah, we did it. Okay, so that night, so they're hanging out, and uh, Barry's like, "I think I can go back in time." And Bruce Wayne goes, "Don't, don't do that. Don't change the past." And Batman, <laughs> Which is of all a people, reasonable thing for him to or and, open the portal of time. <laughs> and Batman, of all pers- people, says, "Don't let your tragedy define you." And I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be. Batman being like, I know, believe me, I've defined my life by a tragedy and I know right. it's it's a mistake. Or if the movie is just kind of like winking at us, you know? Yeah. I couldn't tell. Iris stops, again, Iris sees Flash hanging out with his famous billionaire best friend. He's, she stops by Flash's apartment. He uses powers to tidy it up and he vibrates through the wall to get I some mean, beer from next door. give me more of that shit. Give me more silly stuff, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Barry decides while talking to Iris that he can use his powers to save his mom by just making sure she doesn't forget that can of tomatoes so that his dad doesn't have to go back to the store, leaving his mom unprotected. I do. So we can all agree, very irresponsible to fuck with time. Don't do it. Everyone Is this going to be about listening. canned tomatoes as like a cooking person? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, use canned tomatoes. They're just fine. Okay. In many applications, they're better than trying to use. A fresh I was so tomato. worried you were going to say Barry's mom deserves to die for not using fresh tomatoes. No, no, and no, I'd be no, like no. too what far, I, my, Daniel. Too far. I, was going to I can't. Make was, that is a bridge too far for me. I can't cross it. This movie, while inferior to uh, the similarly themed Spider-Man 
movie with everyone, uh, No Way Home. Is that the most recent one? Spider-Man, no, all the homes. Spider yeah, No Way Home. It, it, at least Barry is less irresponsible than Spider-Man <laughs> in that he is messing with time for something like very important to him rather than just college and, and, and helping to him his he's saying this is a small thing i'm doing yeah, i'm making a, a very small, small thing change. he's trying yeah. to be like he's trying to like thread that needle he's trying to be like oh if i just change the tomato thing it's you know but as we'll yeah. see oh and barry, and barry has a mentor who's like don't change time dude as opposed to spider-man <laughs> whose mentor dr strange <laughs> yeah, is like let's, let's, let's go it, nuts <laughs> yeah sure why not Ugh, i have so many spell book <laughs> i enjoyed that movie a lot i have so many problems with how they get into that story i think it's dumb yeah. that's that that's the solution spider-man wants mm. i think it's dumb that dr strange goes along with it it's but it's like it's like when Mephisto ended Spider-Man's marriage, didn't like the way it happened, but I loved the stories that came out of it. Mm -hmm. So you know what? I can <laughs> yeah. accept it. Uh, the, here's, the, uh, here's to you, Mephisto. <laughs> here, here's, you know what? Let's raise a glass to the character who's kind of Satan, but kind of not. And uh, before anyone tries to get a no prize from us, like I realize that the fucking Spider-Man movie isn't about time, but it's a multiverse movie just like this one is. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that's another problem with I think people's reaction to the flash is like I'm sure when they started develop, developing it, this, they're like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be so exciting. And especially with like the other, like Michael Keaton, like so many things, lunch were eaten for The Flash by the time The Flash yes. came yeah. around. It's, um, a, it's a real problem that both of these universes have gone all in on multiverse when yeah. one of them got there first. And also like the multiverse does not have as much juice in it as – as people believe, even by the time that Spider-Man No Way Home was doing it, we'd already seen Into the Spider-Verse. It's like, come, there's so right. many ideas in the world. There's so many that have been yet to be conceived. I've already seen Why an episode of Rick one? and Morty. <laughs> like, I've already watched all of Sliders. You know, I get it. Yeah. Parallel yeah. universes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about, it's all, all roads lead back to Sliders. Yeah. I'm well, it's I'm also, it's yeah. excellent for sort of like individual stories, like, you know, the, the Spider-Verse uh, animated movies or, you know, outside of superheroes, everything, everywhere, all at once. But I think yeah, once great you movie. make it a cornerstone doors. of your the universe, holiday. then it becomes a problem because it's like, well, literally everything can be undone. Nothing matters. Like, that that's the problem once it becomes mm -hmm. such well, a big part of— Well, and also, once you have infinite versions of every character— the life of an individual character, unless you've really come to know that specific one, is— yeah. Meaningless, you know, because mm -hmm. you can just replace them with another one. Uh, so that one Kang could be impressive. A million Kangs, who gives a shit? Like, it's, wow. at this point, they're nobody. You know, they're nobody. Remains? Would you rather fight one horse-sized Kang or... <laughs> <laughs> or a horse this, or a, or a, a thousand, thousand Kang-sized horses? That's actually a really good question. That's a good question. I think I'm going to take the one horse-sized Kang rather than <laughs> a thousand Kang-sized horses, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, he goes back to the store when, where his mom forgot the tomatoes, puts a can of tomatoes in her cart. He's about to race back to his own time and he's running through new memories that he never had before of his mm -hmm. mother at events in his life that she previously had not lived to see until an evil looking shadowy figure looks like doomsday, but we know it's not doomsday cause he was already in one of these movies. Is it reverse flash? Uh, not exactly, but we'll see. I mean, it's clearly <laughs> going to be a time paradox of some kind. The only the only explanation that will ever make sense in these movies is that it's that character from the future doing it. So you kind of know that mm -hmm. that's what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. It's not. They're not going to. As the movie goes on and they don't introduce a new villain, 
you kind of know that it ha- that has to be the case. But some evil-looking shadowy figure punches him and knocks him right out of the speed zone or the time arena into the street outside his parents' house. And he soon finds, by going in and visiting them, that it's his freshman year of That's college. That's a good-ass punch, by the way. It's very specific, considering uh, what day it turns out to be. Yes, he punches him into the exact day that it needs to be. That's the yeah. thing, we, as we later find out. For some reason, the Flash, knowing that his own younger self exists— Go, puts a pair of underpants on his head, like for a mask, and then goes out of his way to ask his younger self what year it is. And it's like, just avoid him. Just don't talk to him. What are you doing? You know this is yeah. the one thing you're never supposed to do is go talk to your own past yourself. Two things. Never step on a butterfly when you're hunting dinosaurs. That goes without mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Number two, don't Shouldn't talk to your own past Shouldn't be hunting dinosaurs. Self. They're cool. Well, yeah, that's you're true. not yeah. Turok. Point. And I want to get into something. <laughs> There's only one guy who's licensed There's to hunt dinosaurs. There's only one Turok, yeah. <laughs> that's Turok. I want we to can't get, all get be Torok. <laughs> Trust me, I would love to be. Son of Stone, yes. Dinosaur Hunter, of course. But mm-hmm. I can't be Torok. Look. This is going to be nitpicky and nerdy, but what are we here for if not that? I don't think we should do um, that on the, the Flash podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, in the next scene, you know, like they realize this is the day that the Flash gets his powers and Barry is like, I got to get you to the place to get the powers. So, because if you don't OG go Barry. The, so I'm okay. going to call yeah. them Young Barry and OG Barry. Because if you don't have the powers, then I can't go back. Like all this, you know, paradox stuff. Yeah. And and like and the Flash originally meant to go back to the time that he left from. Yes. Which he's where he seems to think there's not going to be another Barry. And I'm like, what are you do? Like, what are you doing? Like, why do you think you can go back and it's all going to be the same? Like this isn't like obviously you've created some sort of branching timeline. Later on, we will learn that time doesn't work that way in this movie. And I think that they handle it kind of as elegantly as they can considering what they want to do. But at this point in the movie, I'm like, why on earth would you think that you could just run back to the same point and pick up your life? He somehow Mm -hmm. thinks that saving his mom's life will not change anything else about his life. But then Mm -hmm. when he realizes that it has, he comes up with the dumbest solution, which is I need you to get flash powers. When he already has flash powers, just run back. You have them already. They didn't disappear. Just use them. There's no reason you need to give them to this dude. Anyway. And I feel like this is also kind of a point where the Barry Allen that we had come to know at this point is kind of, as he said, like a little bit weird, a little maybe on the spectrum, a little awkward. But from this point on, Barry, that Barry is very much normal. Uh, I don't want to say normal, but like is very much in charge. Is any, he is now like, the man from the future who is trying to tutor his younger self. He has lost any of that any of that personal awkwardness that he has before because now it is he's the straight person. Ugh, terrible. I hate all these terms. Now he is the reactive, serious person to the younger Barry, who is essentially Polly Shore. He's well, like that's the thing. dumb. He's annoying. He goes, ha and so, like they they have so and it's one of those things where it's like, I don't believe these are the same person. Like people Mature as they get older. That's what happens with not- trauma, dude. Well, I yeah, guess well, so. thing, <laughs> you like, know what? I guess that's what it is. Without the trauma the, of his mother's death, he became no, just, that's just exactly a dork, just what a it dick. is. Like this is like the original Barry Allen. His parents were taken away, and he was forced to grow up too soon. Even if he's like an awkward guy, uh-huh. and this other kid has experienced like no problems in his life, and so Classic I'm not baby saying boomer. like that's like you know like bad. I'm sure. Given time, he'll develop into like a better person. But at this point in his life, he's just like kind of a stoned, like 
goofball. Yeah. Who, I don't I don't have any issues with the difference between the two Barrys. Yeah. It's just OG Barry, I think, makes such a character shift at this point to fit the needs of the story, which doesn't work for me. I think that's uh, true. Yeah, I could see it that. Okay, felt, I, it felt a little lazy. I'll be the dissenting voice because I think that when you're, res- you're, you're presented with this alternate irresponsible version of yourself, like you kind of like uh, change you step to, up your game. Yeah, I think that's. I think Hopefully, that's I'm possible. never in that situation. Is but all it, it Hopefully, I never have well, to do see. that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the speed force, guys. I think the diff, The thing for me is that he doesn't become a responsible authority. He yeah. just starts acting like one. So maybe that's what it is. Because mm-hmm. again, the Flash makes dumb decision after dumb decision for mm-hmm. stupid reasons. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I did like about this, which comes up about a couple times, is that there's tension between the two Barrys over the way they feel about their mom. To OG Barry, their mom is a murdered saint, and they can only remember the good things. And to young Barry, their mom is their mom who is on his case and is annoying, and he doesn't. Yeah. He's doesn't. He's not um, grateful enough for, and he doesn't uh, respect enough, and he doesn't you know un- appreciate enough. And I thought that that felt very. I wish they had done more with that because that thread feels very real to me. That resentment over. Don't you see how special this person you have is? And young Barry being, I can't see how special she is because. I don't have anything to compare it to. I, she's always yeah. part of my life, and I remember the annoying things as well as the great things. But anyway, that's that's a they do that a little bit, but I wish they did it a little more. Anyway, the uh, pat, so past Barry is going to go on a date with Iris that night, but OG Barry is like, Ooh. no, this is the night we get our powers. We've got to sneak into the police lab and reenact our origin so that you can get powers. Dumb, stupid decision. <laughs> it d- doesn't make sense. They go in. They both get hit by lightning because of science. Past Barry gets powers, and OG Barry loses his powers. What? So wait, Le- so wait, leading wait, wait. to this wait, movie leading- has time travel, <laughs> uh-huh. and our hero loses uh, his powers. Okay, yep. this is all ticking off all the fucking is, superhero boxes. Yeah, they are running through all the Spider-Man movies at this point. This They're all what, mashed up into one. You know, in middle school science, they teach you one lightning strike powers. Mm-hmm. Two lightning strikes, no powers. No coconut powers. Rules. Takes coconut rules. Just coconut rules, exactly. It's super coconut rules. So, However, uh, this movie does not feature a point where Barry is so happy that he doesn't have powers anymore. He walks past an alley where, where a guy is getting mugged and is screaming for help, <laughs> and he's just like, not my problem. Yeah, they don't have that. <laughs> Which is what a great scene. still Peter possibly one once. of the best moments in a superhero movie for me. <laughs> I think. Um, it is a realistic moment. Spider, it, if, Spider-Man if, 2, what a picture. That's what, what I'm what saying. What a great movie. Spider-Man, I mean, any any universe where Spider-Man 2 exists, a movie like The Flash is going to suffer because Spider-Man 2 is so good and I remember it while I'm watching this. Anytime yes. I watch a bad movie, I remember the good movies I've seen and I go, oh, that was good. Why can't this remember, be like that? Remember when Do- uh, Doc Ock's arms come alive and it's like an Evil Dead movie? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, that yeah. was great. That's oh, that great. Was you, great got the, right? you got the quad screen of the, their different <laughs> points of view. Yeah, oh, it's wonderful. Just, Turning into the Chris Farley show. <laughs> <laughs> well, only if Sam Raimi was here, I guess. Yeah. Would it? But the uh, that would that, be that, nuts if Sam Raimi was here. I would have so much to talk to him about. <laughs> Guys, I've got some exciting news for Sitting you. Here. My special it guest, is. come on in. Oh, uh, hello, it's me, Sam Raimi. I don't really know what I sound <laughs> that's like. Not, that's not a Michigan accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember just... those days when it was just me and Bruce Campbell hanging out in a gross cabin making Evil Dead movies okay, together. Okay, that checks out. Okay. Yep, I hope you enjoy my new film, Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh, no, we Ooh. took him from the wrong point in time. <laughs> oh, oh no, we took him from right when Oz the Great and Powerful was coming out. Anyway, Sam <laughs> Raimi, everybody. Uh, so, oh, he's leaving now. He's going back, back in time. Bye, Sam. So, so uh, past Barry, of course, he loves having these powers. He causes chaos, runs around, ends up naked in the street as fireworks are going off and musical instruments that fell off a truck are playing themselves. <laughs> I also 
I also kind of liked this, like just how much goes wrong from him irresponsibly using his power. Like it's a ridiculous just thing after thing after thing. And just imagining like the, the movie sort of just took the time and the effort to do this big set piece of just showing him being a yeah. doofus. Yeah. I, th- I feel like, again, if this movie was a parody of superhero movies, I think I'd be all in. But, yes. I, but, yeah. I, but the tone of the movie is so back and forth that it's hard yeah. for me to to sit with it. It And it, in a way, it, it behaves like a parody in that it barely introduces any of the characters. It assumes you know them from that they're such yeah. pop culture icons, just like how a parody movie would do the same thing. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Like the, the characters are are pre-existing reference points. The movie doesn't really. I mean, who's the character that gets the most like new introduction? Is probably Barry's mom. You know, yeah. is is the only one who's kind of treated as a new character. Even Iris is just kind of like she gets thrown and goes, "It's me, Iris." Anyway, da da da. So the next day, uh, OG Barry is like, "Past young Barry, here's my costume ring." They do a couple jokes about how it's really snug around his dick, which I don't love. <laughs> this is a movie about the Flash. They use the word shit so many times in it, and they. Yeah. And I feel like this they is say dick it, a few times. They say dick a few, and I was like, "This is a movie. It's a PG thirteen movie. I guess that's 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 the super audience." But like, I know people are taking their kids to see DC movies, and I do not like the idea that the movie is just like, "Yeah, but we're for adults, so we'll just say shit a lot." When it it just it feels I don't need my superhero movies like, to say to have swear words in them basically. At this point, know? Barry is a teenager, right? And the, so the idea of him being uncomfortable wearing a very tight outfit is that in itself is funny. You don't have to bring dicks into it. Yes, just yeah, the exactly. fact that he's like, you know, it doesn't leave much. Of the you know, it's like skin tight, yada yada. Yeah, yeah. All but your also, like, he's, yada, yada, yeah, yada. he's awkward. He doesn't want to be seen that. But also, it's like this the same actor. Playing both parts. So it's like, so am I supposed to believe that the Flash is always walking around with his dick cramped by this suit? And mm. is that what powers his speed force? Is the pain that comes from his crotch? Like, yes, I, it's yeah. a weird It's a weird thing to bring in. <laughs> or he's just gotten used to it. Because he made that suit, right? So why didn't he just make it to his own size? You know? Yeah. Did his penis he, get he smaller when he got his he's, powers? I guess he is super smart, right? He's like, yeah, uh, yeah, like most superheroes, he's also just like a science inventor. genius. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he's a fr- I mean, he's a forensic scientist, and crime forensics you know, is the same as engineering. You know, yeah, it's the same as uh, what what uh, being a seam what, what like I can't even think of the word I'm looking for a haberdasher. That's a hat. Nope, that's hats. What am I looking for anyway? A tailor. Me- a tailor. A, a, I don't know. I'm looking a for a fancier right. word, but uh, <laughs> we can move on. About right, yeah, a Cooper, a milliner, a Fletcher, yeah. uh, a Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> but in, I, I do, I do, but he's kind of is a Jessica Fletcher textiles. That's what I was looking for. An a expert textile? in textiles. Oh, I see. Well, maybe he, he went to FIT and or causes crimes like Jessica Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe he went to FIT, the Flash Institute of Textiles. Point accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, they have. They, we learn that. The, the main the first main clue that this is an alternate universe and not just the past is that uh past young Barry is is insistent that Eric Stoltz starred in back to the future and eventually this will lead to a conversation between Barry and his younger self's roommates who are his co-workers in his own timeline but now they're kind of they're burnout roommates over which actors were in which movies from the 80s. And that's, a, that's a neat little Easter egg for the real movie nerds out there, right? Because Eric Schultz it, did film a bunch of scenes from yeah, Back to the Future. Yeah, was replaced. Guys, tell me if I'm being too of a high, too much of a highbrow uh, stick up my butt 
Um, uh, I'm going to say probably. Probably. Yeah. finish your story. <laughs> I mean, part of it was also, I was like, Avengers Endgame, they also talk about Back to the Future. So like, this is yet another instance where a movie is just like, where the Flash is just going over old material, basically, old territory. They don't talk about Eric Stoltz, but they talk about like the Back to the Future rules of time travel and stuff. Sure. But what's your what my main objection? thing is, is it a show of how kind of, not ignorant exactly, how little the modern cultural frame of reference has room for that the way that they can show that this is a different world is just kind of who starred in Footloose and who starred in Back to the Future as mm. opposed to something else in all of human history or culture or whatever. You know, I feel like if this I, movie was made in the 80s, you would have seen that like Dewey would have defeated Truman for real in the 48 election or something like that. Like a famous historical moment would have been different mm. as opposed to who starred in Back to the Future. I would I, argue mm. that what is going on here— Hindenburg doesn't explode. Exactly. Is. Yeah, or like a, a, a newspaper headline that says like, man fails to land on moon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I, this makes perfect sense to me in the sense that like I think that the the footprint of Back to the Future is so big, like— you know, I, I think it is still kind of the iconic time travel story for most people, more so even than like H.G. Wells' The Time Machine or anything that has gone after Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. And so, and and that is like everyone's idea of the way time travel would work. Um, and so they're just making reference to Back to the Future and then they're like, oh, what cute thing we can can we do off of that? You know, like... I think you have to address the Back to the Future thing if you're like, how does time travel work here? Like, that's but that's like not the scene shorthand. where they're talking about how time travel works is the thing. They're just talking about, I guess maybe they, a little I bit. I think that's why it gets brought up. Oh, that I mean, is why and, it gets brought up. I don't know. I, then, I feel like I don't know that Back to the Future is such a huge cultural reference point for people younger than us that it needs to be addressed in a time travel movie. The same way that most of the movies like that are that that copy Groundhog Day, they don't say, oh, yeah, I'm in a Groundhog Day situation. You know, they just ignore it. No, I know. I I don't think it's necessary. I just think that they're addressing it for that reason, and then they're like, "We'll kill two birds with one stone here. We'll do a little cute like do a hey, joke out of it." Remember, I, guess, I could see Eric that. Stoltz. I just it, I I worry that is a symptom of the lack of larger frame of reference for either the people making the movie or what they think the audience understands. That like, if you're making a movie, the only thing you can make a reference to is another movie as opposed to something from real life. It's the thing that mm. people used to say, ironically, about like the 60s, 70s, new Hollywood generation is they'd be like, these people don't know life. They just know movies. They're just making movies that play off of earlier movies. Yeah. And I feel like that wasn't quite the case there, but I kind of feel like it might so be. So are you, are you talking about like dumbing down or like monoculture? A little bit of both, to be honest. Okay. I, uh, I both can see your point, and I think the stick is at least halfway up your butt. Mm -hmm. Ugh, let's get up there farther. Okay, let's talk about this movie some more. So uh, here's the problem. General Zod appears on TV looking for Superman, no Why is that a problem? That's that's a paycheck for old Mikey Shannon. <laughs> my, it's my it's true. Good point. G subway platform buddy Michael Shannon. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's I'm why I'm never you upset with for my, a different G. Until go, I, go. <laughs> until I someday learn about Michael Shannon's bad behavior, which every actor in the world seems to have. I'm never yeah. unhappy with Michael Shannon showing up. The problem is that there's no Superman in this world. No one's ever yeah. heard of him. He doesn't exist. Uh, and OG Barry is like, uh, look. I try. I remember Zod Day. I tried to save some people. I only saved this one kid. So I managed to save a kid while his dad died right in front of him. We've got to get the Justice League together so we can save everybody. Uh, and that's when they talk about that's when they go to past Barry's roommates and they talk about which actors starred in Footloose and stuff like that. So they're uh -huh. showing a lot of. A re, uh, they're really showing a lot of uh, of uh, 
uh, pressure, you know, a lot of urgency in getting mm. the Justice League together. Well, and, they're, uh, and they, they're trying to research, trying to find all the other superheroes. And there is a moment where you're like, he's created a world with no superheroes. That would be kind of neat, right? No more superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would be kind of neat. Uh, so and well, but at this point in the movie too, you're, you are confused. Like, wait, how did doing that affect so much stuff? Don't worry. Don't worry. There's going to be Soon a pasta-based half explanation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they go to, but there, it wasn't that there were no, it, he finds that like the thing that turned cyborg into cyborg, that accident didn't happen and stuff like mm -hmm. Wonder Woman's never shown up. And, uh, where do they go first? They've got to go to Wayne Manor, the spooky yeah. overgrown Wayne Manor. I guess- Young Barry ran and, there and while carrying old Barry because they live in different <laughs> cities, but I don't know how and, they got there. It doesn't speaking matter. speaking of paychecks, Tamara Morrison shows up, and we find out that he never got to hook up with Nicole Kidman. What a bummer, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. They call, no Aquaman. They, no they call Aquaman. Aquaman's parents only to find that in this universe, Aquaman's dad did not marry uh, – what's her name? Mer Nicole? What's her character's I name? I don't know. Queen yeah. Queen Fishy. Uh, they, they, <laughs> Queen Fishy. So, uh, they go to Wayne Manor. We learn that the song 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago does exist in this universe because it's uh -huh. playing loudly on a record player. I, I love that song. That's fine. I, I'm yeah. okay with the universe where that exists. But we do learn a little bit later on that in this universe, the chain restaurant is called Banana Bees, which I thought was a pretty funny, stupid throwaway <laughs> joke. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they get attacked. Uh, they walk around Wayne Manor. They get attacked by a shaggy shut-in. It's Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne, who explains that he Doing was Batman. Doing all his trademark moves and flips, right? Yep, Just like exactly. he did in the Batman movies. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he explains that he was Batman, but he retired because crime stopped. So I guess in this universe, it worked. Like, he did it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, But then he he's making spaghetti, and he explains using the spaghetti strands that when you change the past, you change the past behind that past as well. It's not that you create a branching universe from that moment. is that you create a whole new timeline that is different all the way up and down. Well, and this is interesting because it, it kind of head-on, you know, approaches the idea of, like, look, time is an illusion. Time, you know, we, we experience time. Lunchtime doubly so, to quote Douglas Adams. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we approach time literally, but like it's that's our perception. And so when you change it, like there's a nexus point and it like shoots in both ways. And then if you do it too much, everything gets all jumbled up. Like for a for a comic book movie, I'll buy this. Sure. Oh, I, I mean, sure. it's comic book science. There's nothing in reality that would ever point to this happening. I feel like they they didn't spend too much time explaining it, which is great because I've seen so many of these goddamn movies now that I yes. don't need someone else to explain to me how multiverses work. Um, mm -hmm. That was, that's, they, it's that, great, they did it. It was funny that he plops a bunch of spaghetti down on a plate. You know, that's funny stuff. Uh, Batman's like, I'm not going to help you. I'm retired as Batman. I just listen to Chicago all day and make pasta for myself. <laughs> uh, the Barrys, they sneak into the Batcave really easily so that OG Barry can use the computer that Batman has in his Batcave. I guess he doesn't expect anyone to sneak in there. There's no password protection or anything well, like I that. Well, I mean, it's implied later on that, like, he knows that this is happening. He's, yes, he's not going to actively help, happen. but he's just like, whatever. Yeah. They try to use the computer to find Clark Kent. The Clark Kent they're looking for is not around. Meanwhile, young Barry just kind of dicks around. We get so many shots of the Batcave, so much shot of so many shots of Batman stuff with just this sense of like suffused with awe, this overwhelming awe. Can you believe it that we're in the 1989 Batman Batcave? Do you guys think that audiences gave a shit about this? Well, because certainly I do, younger I, people I don't think do. I don't think younger people know, but there was like there was a lot of internet excitement among 
aging nerds about this. Uh, it's not possible. I do feel like Spider Man No Way Home. Michael Keaton is well, Batman. I'm about seeing Michael Keaton as Batman. I don't know about the whether the they Bat care Cave, about the Batman. Batman Cave. Cave didn't feel the same, but that's because it isn't you know shot by Tim Burton and mainly it's got a, a bunch of cobwebs in it. Paint painting. Yeah, there weren't it's, cobwebs in the old days. It's, dust. it's true. <laughs> uh, the I feel like like we said before, Spider Man No Way Home really ate this movie's lunch to a great degree. Yeah. Um, because once you've seen three Spider-Man, it's hard to get that excited over one one old Batman. <laughs> but how are you gonna keep how do you gonna keep him I on don't the know. Uh, we may get another Batman? That's true. How are you gonna keep him on the Batman farm when they've seen the lights of gay three Spider-Man? Uh, <laughs> yep. it's gay Perry, I'm talking about. Uh so uh they have an argument. Gay because Spidey, I think, is the, gay, gay is the Spidey. Joke you that's yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, they have an argument because young Barry doesn't respect their mom enough, but OG Barry, he still won't explain why he came back. To young Barry. They mm-hmm. find out that Superman seems to be the prisoner of a Siberian fortress. I don't know how they what system they hacked into yeah. to find out that a Kryptonian is being held by a secret Russian military facility. Probably um, TikTok or something. Can I, <laughs> guys who work there posting <laughs> just videos. Looked up, hashtag hashtag Kryptonian and there was somebody where, who's like I'm a, I'm Russian soldier. I am guarding this guy. Can you believe this? Okay, <laughs> lip sync, you know, and then they lip sync to something, you know. I also want to say like take a moment and be like this this stuff about him not telling Young Barry, what happened to in his timeline seems super dumb to me, super yes. contrived. Because, like, look, uh, maybe it's a failure on, of empathy on my part, but like, I don't think like Young Barry, who has his mom, is going to be so traumatized by the idea that this Barry lost his mom. He'll feel sad for this Barry, like, but he's not going to like. Or not? Why he's a teenager. He, yeah, well, I think, or not. I think, well, why is I, he I think keeping it's, it away? He's having trouble. I think he's having trouble saying it because it's difficult for him. But I agree also that it feels dumb because he has already gone back in time, given this Barry superpowers that otherwise he would not have gotten. What what is he worried about wrecking by giving this yeah. information? Uh, that his that young Barry will be like, oh, so I, to fix everything, I have to kill mom and then go home right. and snap her neck with his superpowers. <laughs> like that's yeah. not going to happen. It's not like in Back to the Future is like I can't tell Doc Brown that he's going to die in the future. Like this is a thing that happened in the past and yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. So I can't tell my mom that I'm really her son, or else she won't sleep with me. It's not that kind of paradox. You <laughs> exactly. Know? How am I going to achieve every man's dream of, ha- of of sleeping with my mom if I tell mm. her I'm her son from the future? Anyway, <laughs> um, don't trust me. Trust <laughs> sur- surveys of porn search. Ter- uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Batman shows up. He shaved his beard. He's suited up. He goes, okay, I'll help you with this. They fly over to Russia in the Batwing. They sneak into this fortress. Young Barry makes a ton of noise. Fight, fight, fight. They're fighting. They find in this vault. It's not super. How, how, how do you feel about the fights? You like the fights? Not for, I, to be honest, I kind of glazed over during them. They like not, we said, a, not yeah. a lot of choreography on these things, right? A lot There's of- a little. Well, here's the thing. I was watching Batman fighting, and I was like, I wish he fought differently than the Ben Affleck Batman. I wish that he moved in his own kind of like '80s Batman way. But yeah. he does the same kind of like flips and kung fu moves that any mm. superhero does now. But I wish he was fighting the way that bat, that he did in the '80s Batman movies, which were much less so much less stiffly. Suave. Yeah, stiffly. <laughs> because the suit didn't move. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, but that know, uh, still would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, it still would have been cool. It would have been a visual difference to be like, oh, this is a different Batman. And instead, yeah. they the fights are kind of generic. And as we said earlier, they don't just look video gamey because it's computer graphics. It looks video gamey because the it's shot like it looks like a video game. Like the yeah. the angles look like video game angles, and you never kind of feel like you are in the fight. You always look like you're kind of standing slightly apart from it, watching it. So that you have enough room to move your character around. Yeah, you know, over to, the to over fight the, the other characters. 
over the weekend, I went and saw the Marvels, uh, mm. which you know I'm you know I'm, I guess I feel like I'm a little I grade those uh, Marvel movies kind of on a curve, and I generally am pretty easy on them. But I feel like the fight sequences in that movie were better and felt mm-hmm. real, even with like superpower elements of the characters uh, switching like physical spaces. Like it still felt choreographed. It still felt actual. Yeah. I mean, like that specific one, I enjoyed it, but like I found it very hard to sort of like I gave up on it because I'm like, there's no there's no percentage in me worrying about this, but like hard to understand when characters were gonna switch places based on their powers mm-hmm. and when they weren't. Like, Dan was like, to there's be, like, three women on the screen. No thanks. Again, that was not <laughs> with trying to paint. Dan his goes, Well, hopefully I won't get that. Hopefully I won't get that in the next movie in this surprise movie marathon. What are see we seeing? My, three women by Robert Altman. Oh, no. On my letterbox, anyone can see that I gave them well, a least, good review. Well, at least after three women, I won't have to deal with another it. movie like that. Nine to five. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. That's me. Yep. Charlie's Angels. Okay. Um, at least they're not going full throttle. Okay, what's the next movie they're in? Uh-oh. <laughs> That was fine as long as they're at half throttle. <laughs> as long as it's half throttle. Look, Charlie, the, 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 sir, Mr. President, we have an issue. Charlie's <laughs> angels are dangerously close to going full throttle. The atomic <laughs> scientists have changed the, the, the throttle clock to show it. Oh, and then they is, might enter the speed force, which is, as you know, only the Flash's domain. And if that happens, all of America must stand up and cheer. <laughs> Our infrastructure can't take that much standing. I always feared this moment would come. My predecessor warned me that I might have to deal with this situation, but I always prayed that it wouldn't happen. Apparently my prayers weren't enough. <laughs> take out Charlie's Angels. They drop a nuclear bomb on whatever oh, no. whatever city the Charlie's Angels are in. <sighs> Uh, and that, of course, Mac leads us left. to that leads us to the next movie, Sheen Charlie's Angels, where they come back and they're even more powerful. So um, they they there's a they found they find not Superman but a young woman who's nearly comatose and a Superman type costume, and they take that with them. They escape. Flash yeah, she's gets, all like shrunken up, like old raisin, right? Yeah, well, she's being they, they have I mean, her in this. Cha- she doesn't look like when ET's sick or anything. No, no, just, but yeah. they have her in a chamber where she's being bombarded constantly with red light. Which, as we know, it's the Earth's yellow sun that gives Superman his powers. Mm-hmm. The light from Krypton's red sun would depower them. I, I don't know that that much of it would make her that weak, but I, I assume they haven't been feeding her also. So mm-hmm. they've really been treating her poorly. Uh, they've escaped flat. <laughs> uh, young Barry gets shot in the leg, a wound that seems to heal pretty quickly. He and heals pretty quick. As they get outside, they're surrounded by Russian soldiers. That's when the woman wakes up and super fights her way through. This is one of the two most video gamey fights. Mm. Uh, they escape. They go back to Wayne Manor. She reveals that she is Kara, Kal-El's cousin, who was supposed to be his protector, but Kal-El never made it to Earth, and when she landed on Earth, she was captured by the Ruskies. Now, I want to say something. I I was kind of annoyed at this movie's... Um, I Spoiler alert. Supergirl in the big... Zod fight. I like how it's a spoiler alert for something we're going to talk about 10 minutes from now. Yeah, it's fine. No, I know. I just like, I know I'm acknowledging that I'm jumping ahead. You're spoiling my pleasure at revealing the story. She will get killed by Zod over and over, and this will be something that can't be undone. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's like when I'm playing a Tomb Raider game and I keep accidentally getting Lara Croft killed and I have to watch her get killed and make horrible sounds (laughs) for like 20 minutes in a row. They don't give her a lot to work with, but I found this like in, incarnation of Kara like 
charismatic, charming. Like, like I, I, I liked the vibe she was bringing to the role. I don't role. know if I found her charismatic and charming, but I liked this kind of like tough, no nonsense. Yes, character. I yeah, mean yeah. not. Yeah. I mean charming. I don't want to spend time with her, but I, exactly. but I liked her as a different, a different flavor or color to this, to this exactly. personality. Yeah. That's more accurate. I took to. She like, isn't this, quipping the whole time or nothing. Yes. I thought she was likable and cool, and I was like, I was annoyed that the movie was like, well, we're gonna then immediately kill her off. Dan, for you plot say that, reasons. but let me remind you. She is a woman, and they already have Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. That's they true. Can, there can be only one. There can only be <laughs> one. That's what society tells women, is that they can only be one of them at a time. That's why Highlander was originally called Highlanderess. Uh, oh, and then, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah but the, the makeup to get Christopher Lambert to look like a woman, realistically, was just too time-consuming, too expensive. And so well, they decided other, to make the character male. female heroes in the, in the DC universe. Yeah, there's there's, Zay- there's Zaytana. There's right? Z- there's, Z- there's Power Girl. Power. There's Zatanna. <laughs> there's Hawk Power Girl. Girl. <laughs> yeah, you know Power Girl. <laughs> I so know noted, Power Girl. Noted oh, bust lover, Stuart Wellington, of course, knows Power Girl. The the superhero character who for years has had a boob window on her costume. <laughs> was and it? For a long time, they've dialed it back, but for a long time, her main thing was she's as strong as Superman and she has big boobs. And those were her two defining characteristics as, now, a, as a superhero. Now, is this apocryphal or is it true that like Wally Wood said that he just kept making her boobs bigger to see I, if I've heard that story. I don't know if it's necessarily true or not, that he was just testing to see how far – because in my mind, it wasn't really until much later that the character Mm. became known for having a very – particularly large chest, even among the large-chested superheroines of comics. when Roger started writing it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when Russ Meyer did Beyond the Valley of Power Girl and Roger Ebert was the screenwriter, yeah. Uh, But yeah, there's lots of of other female DC characters. You go after – you know, yeah. there's Tara. I mean, she turns to be, out to be a spy. Spoiler alert for a 40 year old comic book. But uh, you know, there's lots of them. Uh, there's, but anyway, that's it. There's Huntress. There's Batgirl. Okay. There's Batwoman. Okay. Of course, Can- Canary is Canary a thing. There's Black Canary. Canary. Yeah, Canary? sure. There's the whole Birds of Prey group. You know. Oh, uh, oh yeah. So of course, uh, there's a of course, uh, Batwoman. Is all at this point her main superpower is being a tax write off for Warner Brothers. Uh, <laughs> sure. so, yeah, that's yeah, her yeah. main ability. So uh, she is, uh, Kara is like, I, they're like, help us save the earth. And she's like, I don't care about the earth. Like, I'm from Krypton. I don't care about this. She powers Plus up. Plus, I got and, locked up for years. Plus, he, I, I showed up and humans locked me up and made me a prisoner and treated me badly. Why should I, why should I help you? Yeah. See ya. And she's powered up by the sun. She flies away. Uh oh. Then she sees General Zod just casually killing people, and she comes back and is like, and she's horrified by what she sees. Meanwhile, while she's being horrified by that, uh, OG Barry is like, I need my powers. We're going to have to recreate the explosion, pour chemicals on me, and then hit me with lightning over and over again. <laughs> and Batman is like, I think it's crazy, but I'll do it. Uh, I like to hurt people. That's my like, secret. I like to I give people pl- pain. I haven't been a Dr. Frankenstein yet. Time to do it. Mm. Yeah. There's, I wonder if there's got to be some some Elseworlds comic where yes. Batman is also Dr. Frankenstein, yes. right? Or like yes. where Frankenstein makes a bat monster or something that fights yep. crime or mm-hmm. there's got to be. If there isn't, mm-hmm. DC, You're dropping, hire me. You're slipping, boys. Hire me to write it. Come on, do it. Um, so uh, they keep hitting Barry with lightning over and over again. Uh, and mm-hmm. and it's not working until Kara <laughs> – 
returns and says, I'll help you. And I don't know how she knows what they're doing because they talked about it after she left, but she flies him into a lightning storm and he she gets She was probably his, just trying to get him roasted and then it, it turns out it worked. <laughs> she's like, oh, you're trying to kill him with lightning? I'll help you. You're doing it really I'll slowly. I'll help you yeah, with yeah. that. I'll help you do it faster. I'll take uh, him right to the source. Barry has his powers back. He puts on his costume. Young Barry makes his own costume out of a Batman costume, which I thought was a funny touch yep. that he's retrofitting a Batman costume into a Flash costume. All, and it doesn't quite fit him quite right. All four heroes, they go to the site of the battle between Zod and the American military. They dive into it. Kara goes after Zod, uh, and she gets especially mad when Zod is like, uh, by the way, when we tried to extract Kal-El's baby DNA from his blood, it killed him. Oops, <laughs> oops, that's on my part, and oops, that I killed a baby. And Kara gets really mad. Chuck that up in the whoopsie column. Uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, they fight. Meanwhile, old Flash is teaching young Flash how to use his powers to fight. Batman's just flying around the Batwing shooting things. Unfortunately, his plane gets hit. He kamikazes right into some big spaceship. Zod stabs Kara and harvests her DNA. All seems lost. The two most powerful heroes, Kara, who has Superman powers, and Batman, who is, as he said, a billionaire, uh, they're, you know, they're gone. World's greatest detective, dude. Like what kind of detective skills do you need to fly a plane around shooting people? Like, I don't understand. Oh, the clues tell me Does that, that my, mean- the, the bad guys are over there. I feel like there could be a spinoff show where Maverick, instead of flying planes, is a detective. Is a detective. It's called Top Gun P.I. Plane detective. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he only solves plane-related mysteries. He's like That's flying Jack, over the right? crime Isn't scene in his plane. He's <laughs> like, I can't really see much from up here. From up Wasn't here, that the plot of Jack? I see Wasn't that there's a... a scrap of red fabric on the ground that looks like the same as the robe that the, that the Baron was wearing. Once again, uh, your eagle eyes looks like the, the irrigation uh, patterns uh, are going down <laughs> downwards. Uh, does that help? Yes, he's been stealing the water in order to enrich himself. Thanks, thanks, Maverick P.I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the idea of, of Batman being like, it's going to take all of my mystery-solving skills to figure out which of these are aliens that I could shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kill with impunity. Uh, because as we've established, this Batman kills people, shoots them, blows things up. Anyway, young Barry is like, we've got to save them. He runs into the past to save Kara and Bats, but each time he tries to fix it, they still die. As, as Dan mentioned... Uh, Supergirl, or Superwoman, however she likes to be called, is doomed to an infinity of deaths to uh, eternally be murdered by Zod. They both go into the time speed arena, and OG Barry is like, young Barry, you can't fix the past. I tried it. It doesn't work. And look at the damage we're doing to reality because things are deteriorating around them. And he he goes, hey— And young Barry has managed to accidentally phase a chunk of Kryptonian metal into his arm, so he has a badass blade weapon that he starts murdering fools with. More yeah, specifically, I mean, you can change the past. Obviously, Barry did it, but there are certain fixed points that always happen, apparently. Yeah. Which is- Much like in the second Spider-Verse movie, there's certain continuity points that mm-hmm. always have to be. It's almost, yeah. Like, events, yeah. it's almost like I've seen all of this stuff before, <laughs> Flash yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I anyway. kinda, now, I do kind of like the idea that young Barry, having not had to deal with like the trauma of losing his parents at an early age— he isn't emotionally equipped to deal with a problem he can't solve. Like yes, that. or I with, think that, or with, I think that's at least kind of interesting. Or with mm. death, he's not. Yeah. He's yeah. not. He's never seen someone that he cares about die, and he's known Batman and Kara for almost half a almost day, forever. <laughs> yeah, so it's much like in Star Wars when Luke is like Obi Wan, no, and it's like I understand it's t- tough, but you've known him for a day, like you haven't yeah, known yeah. him that long, you know. Yeah, you oh, saw Obi Wan was saw my teacher for a couple hours. 
Yeah, he saw his uncle and I mean, aunt, like he, super roasted, right? Yeah, like, yeah. The, the, and his and his aunt, his his own uncle and aunt who raised him, he's like, oh, that's rough that you're burnt skeletons now. But this <laughs> dude that he's known for an afternoon, he's like, no, I mean, no. He is the one like exciting guy he ever knew. That's that. actually true. That's true. Like, on a desert planet, it's that's like, a good point. Oh, oh, finally, something awesome's happening. No. Yeah, there's you probably were my a part of him. He's like, yeah, he's like, fuck, I gotta go back to Tatooine. Yeah. yeah. I mean that. Yeah, that's maybe that's what he's It is the place where they shoot all the. Shows. Power converters <laughs> now, I guess. Even yeah, I guess I just got to get a job down. at Tashi Station working at whatever fast food restaurant they've got there. <laughs> I guess I'll smell like bantha meat every yeah. day because I'm McWomp working around rats. it all the time. <laughs> then no wonder my only enjoyment is shooting womp rats. I've got nothing else in my life, you know. I just want to hurt other things the way I feel life has hurt yeah. me. My name's yeah. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, sad. I, I mean, he's essentially Batman at that point. Batman's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. even hate crime that much. I just want to hurt other people the way I feel I've been hurt. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, Bruce, a lot of other people have gone through things like this without having to punch a clown every couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, I was uh, someone online pointed out that uh, that Batman has has all the powers of a bat, like grappling hooks and being a detective. And I was like, yeah, but he also fights the noted natural enemies of bats: clowns, riddles, penguins, uh-huh. <laughs> all the things that bats hate. Double mm-hmm. faces. All bats mm-hmm. hate that stuff. Yep. Anyway, Batman. He shouldn't work, but he does. He's, he's America's most favorite superhero. Shouldn't work. Yeah. Uh, after Spider Man, of course, Spider Man. Yeah, is at this point is is America's favorite superhero again, right? Certainly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel like Batman was it for a while, but okay. Anyway, uh, young Barry, he's getting covered with with Kryptonian debris, turning into he looks like a '90s image character. How he's got blades yeah. sticking out of his arms, oh, and yeah. uh, and Barry is like, OG Barry is like, you're doing all this damage. There's no sometimes there's no solution. Mom told me that when I couldn't do my math homework, and that's when a horribly debris covered kind of Elder Flash shows up and he's like, I'm the one who punched you, OG Barry. I punched you into this time in the first place so you could create the paradox that would give me my powers so that I could go back in time trying to fix things over and over again because I'm now obsessed with doing that. And it takes OG Barry a pretty, a fairly long time to recognize that he's talking to himself slash older version of young Barry who's turned mm-hmm. evil. I'm going to call him evil Barry. Reality starts you collapsing call in. You scary Barry. <laughs> scary Barry. Okay, I feel like that's been taken, but sure. Uh, the Brother so, of Mary Barry from <laughs> the British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is there a character? Is that is that a Mary Barry? Mary Barry, yeah. For, yeah, one of the original judges. Oh, yeah. I, I thought you meant Marion Barry, former mayor of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so or anyway, Harry Carey who is uh, a noted uh, Now, there was Harry Carey, the sports announcer. announcer, and there was Harry Carey and Harry Carey Jr., the actors, who were members of John Ford's company of actors. So there's a lot of Harry it's Carey's amazing out Larry. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also the amazing Larry, the character who appears in what two, one scene in Movie's <laughs> yep. Big Adventure. It was supposed to be two scenes. Uh, and there's also uh, uh, the amazing Randy, uh, who, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh-huh. the, the, uh, the arch foe of, uh, of Yuri Geller, right? Uh, <laughs> is there are they are they arch foes? I didn't know this. Who am I thinking of? You know, maybe I'm thinking uh, of somebody else. Maybe uh, you're thinking of the Amazing Race. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what I'm thinking of? The Amazing Race. race. No, yeah. The, oh, yeah. The Amazing Randy was was Yuri Geller's arch foe. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the Glad Amazing Race cleared up. The TV show. Then of course there's uh, there's a uh, Race Bannon. Is that a real person's name? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. uh, yes. Uh, race for the Galaxy. We're the so close card to the game. end. We can. And of course there's Wacky Races, which is when a Wacky Racers. Dan is Wacky Races or Wacky Racers. Anyway, closing the, import, the important thing to remember is reality starts to collapse in because of all the time travel they've been doing. 
uh, we see kind of CGI post-death recreations of previous DC movies and TV shows. Christopher Reeve's Superman is there. The Supergirl from the Supergirl movie is there. Uh, Adam West Batman we see for a moment. Nicolas Cage Superman, a character that only exists in legend because that movie never got made. And yeah, as fighting Nicolas- the giant spider that uh, Kevin Smith talked about how they wanted that, to be in that movie. And then that it eventually ended up in, ended Wild, up in Wild, Wild, Wild West. West. And as Nicolas Cage has said since then, he did not shoot a scene where he shot a giant spider. He shot some other scene and then they used, used uh, special effects to make him fight a giant spider. Um, it is like super bad deep fake stuff for the Nick Cage Superman. It's it all really bad. It really doesn't look very good. Although the one thing is, it sells me on the idea of Nicolas Cage as Superman, which was something that I never quite, mm. oh, I never felt he had quite the look, but seeing him in this not with great looking CGI. With that long hair flipping around. I feel like, yeah, I could see him as Superman. Yeah, for sure. Especially with the long hair, that era of Superman. But this is, again, this is a th- idea I think I would have found really cool if I hadn't seen so much of it before. It felt like yeah. it's just DC's turn to do this. And also, if we Oh, want, I thought it would have been really cool if they're not like, I don't know, taking dead actors and well, that's bringing the other digital thing. versions <laughs> of them again. If we so weren't they're, also... They're, they're permanently commodities, Elliot. Yes, the thing. If we weren't already existing in a world where the studios were saying, we have the right to use anyone who has ever worked for us as likeness forever for whatever we want, this would also seem more cool. If it was like... We have stolen your soul by... Taking a picture of you. <laughs> and I mean, it's. Po- I assume that they, I don't know how the law is right now. I assume they would have to go to the estate of Christopher Reeve and say, can we use this? Because it's not like, yeah. In the, or, but okay. I don't know. Maybe when he made Superman in the contract, so we own your likeness as Superman forever. I'm not sure. You know, I don't know yeah. the law on it. Yeah. I'm not a legal eagle. You know, I'm not even an eagle. No. I'm a human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm, I can, yeah. I can We're looking at them right now. DNA test. D- back me up on this, guys. There's a rumor yeah. going around that I'm an eagle and not a human no being. No beak, no talons. Not at all. Yeah. I wish I had yeah. beak and talons, though. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have wings. But I don't you know. know. You wouldn't be able to hug your children with a beak and talons. <laughs> uh, I don't use my mouth or my feet to hug my children. So I use my mm-hmm. arms, which would be wings mm-hmm. in this case, which I you could totally hug someone wrong. with. Feed them by regurgitating into their mouths, though? Oh, I do that already. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we see all that stuff. Evil Barry tries to kill OG Barry, but Young Barry takes the hit, and Evil Barry disintegrates, and Young Barry dies. So now uh, the Flash is not just seen all these other heroes die. He's seen himself, his younger self die, which he mm-hmm. shakes off pretty well, or maybe he's just yeah, so- Yeah, he's pretty cool with it. Maybe he's just so shocked and stunned at this point that he can't even react to it. He goes back to the supermarket, back in time. He watches himself in the past, put the ca- tomato can in. He shows up out of costume, incognito, looking for all the world like a transient who has wandered in bleeding into the supermarket, mm-hmm. but his mom is so nice that she has a heart-to-heart with him and gives him a hug, this stranger who's really weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then when she's not looking, he removes the tomato can from her cart, puts it on the top shelf instead of the lower shelf where it had originally been stocked. He returns to his own time, unhappy, chastened. He's late for his dad's trial, which is strange since he can travel through time. But anyway, he's, he's late for his dad's trial where we see the defense attorney showing that the security, the newly cleaned up and restored security camera footage clearly shows his dad's face as he looks up, as the defense attorney says, to and he reach does like a little, the, he does like a little wink, right? He does, yeah, <laughs> to reach the tomato can placed on the top shelf, as if you are so dumb that you couldn't put two and two together. Mm-hmm. You need him to mention it. Uh, his dad is acquitted. We assume it's not mentioned, and we never see his dad in the movie again. So maybe it's maybe the judge is just like, hmm. 
interesting point. Let's let the trial go on for a while. You know, now that your alibi has been confirmed outside the courthouse, Iris, who is covering Barry's dad's case, tells Barry to ask her out. Extremely unethical. Reporters, well, I mean, do not tell the son. Down, don't sell, don't tell point. the child of the person whose case you're covering to ask you out. She should maybe case she's is over. Go, unless she's going to go to the publisher and be like, "Remove me from this story. I shouldn't be on it." Mm, you know, I don't um, know, man. That's the thing. They just got chemistry, baby. They. Mm. That's the other thing is they also don't have, have any chemistry <laughs> at all. These two performers have no chemistry together. Um, Barry's like, yeah, everything worked out. Maybe I didn't save my mom, but I did save my dad, and I, I'm finally get to going to go out with my college crush. That's what Bruce Wayne calls him is like, Barry, I heard about your dad. Congratulations. I'm about to show up. A car drives up. Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne, reporters everywhere. Bruce Wayne walks out. Who is it, Dan? Who, which, who's Bruce Wayne? It's George Clooney, baby. It's Hell yeah, George Mr. Clooney. Everyone's favorite Batman. <laughs> and, and the flash to his credit is like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> You're not Bruce Wayne. And, and George is like, George Clooney's like, come on, Barry. And it ends, I guess, on this cliff note. And then there's a final joke. Earlier, Barry had lost his tooth and it glued it back in. It, it was, <laughs> yeah. had been it knocked it out when he was electrocuted not by a lightning the first time. I think you can do, but sure. No, and it lasts for all the fighting that he does. And now in yeah. this awkward moment, his tooth falls out. <laughs> Cut to the credits. And the credits, which are all over footage of a dog falling slowly through the sky from the earlier hospital scene. Oh. That's the kind of goofy movie this is. This is the kind of silly, wacky movie this um, is. I mean, know? if there's now, a dog in it, it could technically be a goofy movie. And then, of That's course, true. And of a course, post-credit should I, scene. Should I talk about the post-credit scene? Where I, in, I mean, in per, I perhaps will only take I, us I, another I ten seconds. Yes, yeah, no. Stewart, I assume didn't see it, so let me tell him about it. In perhaps the least necessary post-credit scene I've ever seen in one of these movies, Flash is trying to explain his adventure to Aquaman, who is drunk. Aquaman passes out in a puddle on the street, and thus dies this era of the DC film universe with the ultimate of whimpers: Aquaman drunk in a puddle, as if <laughs> as if as if the movie itself is saying, "Why should you care about this?" Why should anyone care? The ironic thing being, of course, that Aquaman is the only character from this universe who has a movie that is still scheduled to come out, the Aquaman yeah. sequel. Because Although they kept, like, messing with it and pushing it back or whatever. Like, it's they weird. kept reshooting it. They've been reshooting scenes for it for years now. It's weird the degree to which that's been happening, also considering that that was the most successful one, right? Aquaman. Well, that's I think why that's, I think they've been. That's why they're so hmm. precious about it. It's because Aquaman I think, was. By, I think the first Wonder Woman was the most. No, successful. Aquaman is at this point the highest grossing DC movie. Oh, it's really? Over a okay. billion dollars worldwide. It's the biggest, and I think that's why they are like tinkering with it because they're so they they're like, well, this one certainly will make money. We got to get it perfect, you know. Right. Uh, whereas in the older days, they would have just been like. Slap a new Aquaman movie out there. Who cares if it's good or not? Now they need it to be a good enough He's movie Aquaman. that— He's Aquaman. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> I think they need it to be a good enough movie that when they fail to release it as a tax write-off, it'll they can get as much money from that as possible. Oh, of um, course, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, smart. But it is such a—I feel like this movie is—like I said, it's borderline parody. This is, this is the movie that is so taking the piss out of— every other aspect of this universe. And the ultimate way to do it is to make the coolest member of the team, the one that people like the most, Aquaman, a drunk who <laughs> passes out in a puddle where if he did not have water breathing powers, he would drown and have the Flash leave him there to do that. Not even mm. not even try to get him out of the puddle. It's just, it shows such a lack of respect for these characters. And I don't know if I, if I respect that lack of respect or not. Maybe I do. Because Dan, I think it's time for final judgments, right? Yes, pardon me. I was burping when you said that. Final judgment. <laughs> Final birch burpments. Uh, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, a movie 
you kind of liked. Uh, I think I'm going to be the outlier, probably. Um, you know, cementing my reputation as the softest touch in the flop house. Um, I kind of like this. I, I am a soft, soft defender of the Flash. Uh, I think its biggest problem, as we've said many times before, is that it's coming to so much of this late. Um, but it, you know, in in a different time, with there wasn't such a glut. Uh, you know, I think this is a pretty fun version of what it is. I like that it looks kind of fakey, honestly, because it feels very comic booky in the way that a lot of things don't feel as well in the old fashioned use of comic booky to mean cheap and silly and and not realistic. Well, but that's also <laughs> what a lot of comic books are, Elliot. I'm not sure. If no, no, no. But, but I, I feel like the uh, that when you people used to say things looked comic booky, they meant it looked like. Second tier, yes. you know, and now um, I feel like that you're using it more in that vein than in to say it feels like a comic book in a positive way, in that it tells a story with engaging characters that, that have a long have a long life, you know. But but it is positive for me to use it that way, though, in the sense that I don't like the self seriousness of a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I like having something that's a little cheaper and junkier and sillier. I think that that's not as they say that's a it's a feature not a bug to to have that sometimes um i like the fun of it i'm a sucker for time travel stories i will say that i like the sort of breezier first half of the movie way better than sort of the boring slugfest mm -hmm. with zod and all that stuff and the kind of murky contrived way they get out of all of it um, yeah, but you know, yeah, I'm, I'm putting the emphasis on kind of, but I kind of liked it. What do you guys have to say, Stuart? You were more down. on this. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, I mean, I think part of it is just, I think it just, the whole thing looks so ugly. Like it's so unpleasant for me to look at. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, it just felt like every story beat was something I'd already seen. Um, and yeah, it just was not. Was not for me. Not uh, not a not a flash guy. I find myself somewhere between bad, bad, and I. I like what they're trying to do with it. I like the intention of it, and I wish they were able to pull it off in a way that was better. Uh, I like that they're trying for something funnier and sillier. I like that there's lots of lots of bonkers stuff happens. But I agree with Stuart that like it doesn't look it doesn't look pleasant to be in. I do like the way that that kind of time zone looks. Where there's like lots of, it's almost like they're in a carnival attraction yeah. with like flat the neon uh, lights, neon lights and and flat backdrops that pop up. Uh, but for the most part, it feels like similarly. I've seen so much of this before, and I feel like I would probably judge this movie a little bit kinder if it came out 10, 15 years ago, as opposed to now when it feels very rehashed. But I but I do kind of like it as this universe is ending. Let's burn it all down on the way out. So the stuff that I was talking about that I don't like in continuity. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, the stuff like Batman holding the lasso of truth and basically coming to terms with what a waste he is and how he's doing everything <laughs> wrong. Like, I like that if they if the filmmakers are like, this universe is dying, so let's have some fun with it. Like, let's the same way that um the uh, the old Alan Moore story, the Superman, uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, where they were like, Crisis on Infinite Earths is about to undo all of this. So let's have Mr. Mixit-Pitlick start killing people. You know, like, let's go crazy with this. Let's, like, let's do bonkers things. And so I kind of like it that way, but 
it doesn't fully work for me. The tone is kind of all over the place and it doesn't look good. And I don't, I'm just, I'm tired of seeing superheroes that are either super badasses or super fuck ups. And I'd like to see a superhero that has a, not that they don't have to be realistic necessarily, but has a human level of confidence or mess up itness, you know, and not, is not a, a wacky cartoon character. I feel like this is, this, ironically, this movie would have worked better for me as a cartoon than as a live action movie. Yeah. You know. Folks, we get it. Keeping up with an actual play podcast in this economy is a tough sell. That's why we have great news for you. The Adventure Zone is changing up its format. We're going to be doing some shorter seasons, more experimental stuff. There's never been a better time to get on board the zone. And if you're sick of listening to our voices, we get that too. So we're including some guests uh, on this upcoming one. We've got Kate Welch and Gabe Hicks, who are incredible. And you want us to try out some new games? You got it. We've got the new Marvel Multiverse RPG. We're using that and with a really brilliant GM doing it. It's dad. What he's saying is it's dad. Dad is doing it. It's dad doing it. You can listen every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm glad you said that because nobody says that. Can I just say thank you to you for such a thoughtful interview? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Bullseye. Interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. Listen to the Bullseye podcast only from NPR and Maximum Fun. Hey, the holidays are right around the corner. And while it's great to get gifts for the people you love, I think there's somebody more important in your life you need to get gifts for. That's right. Your little kitty boys. That's right. Your kitty boys and kitty girls or kitty whatevers. They are kitties and you need to get them gifts. And one of the great ways to do that is to go with Smalls. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Smalls. Smalls Cat Food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to like your door. capers and... Like, ca- yep. <laughs> Pickled Dan, Dan's peppers. fridge, which is filled with Arby's sauce and capers. The, go- my, the Goku Jang. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My- uh, Smalls recently kicked off a partnership with the Humane Society. They've donated over a million dollars worth of cat food to help cats through the Humane Society, and they even give you an opportunity to donate when you check out. Whether you donate $3 for treats, $5,000 for vaccines, or $7 for spaying and neutering. We love Smalls in the Wellington household because my cats are always hungry, they are bothering me all the time, and I like to make sure that they are getting healthy food instead of whatever garbage that they'll find. It would like the packaging of whatever thing that gets shipped to me and they try and eat the plastic. That's not for them. They should yeah. be eating food. Hostess That's where Smalls comes in. cakes. They should be eating those. Yep. Uh, so, is your cat food giving back to cats in need? Well, Smalls is. And if you want to give Smalls a try and ditch kibble forever, head over to smalls.com slash flop and use promo code Flop at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you're going to find, but you have to use my code, me, Stuart's code, Flop, F-L-O-P, for 50% off your first order. One last time for everybody that's just tuning in for some reason, that's promo code Flop for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. The Flop House is also sponsored in part by Babbel. Hey, what do you call a person who speaks three languages? Trilingual. Someone who speaks two, bilingual. Someone who speaks only one, American. Take that, us. (laughs) Only 22% of Americans speak a language other than English at home. Start learning a new language this fall and be the exception, not the rule. You want to be exceptional because with Babbel, you start speaking a new language in just three weeks. 
Why babble? It works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, take that other things that we won't mention because we're told not to. Babbel's quick 10-minute <laughs> lessons are designed by over— But you want to over, so badly because you love Babbel so much. We want to so badmouth them. Let us babble. Over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in, in as little as three weeks. And one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Save that tuition. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash flop. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash flop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash flop. Rules and restrictions may apply. And hey, everybody, we've got some Flophouse news, although it might not be news if you've been listening to the show, but it might be news if you it might be news. But it might be might news. Be lose. You, it might be lose. You could lose it or win it. It might be news if you've been listening to the show and skipping the ad spots. Please don't do that. We really appreciate it if you listen to the ad spots. The Flop House is going back on tour. That's right. In January of next year, which is coming up very soon, we're going to be doing four shows, one of which we can't announce yet. So perhaps it'll become three shows. We'll see. But we're going to be in Portland, Oregon on January 25th at the Aladdin Theater. That's a Thursday night. We're going to be in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club as part of San Francisco Sketchfest on Friday, January 26th. Very excited about that. We've never been part of Sketchfest before, and we're very excited to be part of that Fest of Sketches. Dan does a lot of sketching in his spare time, and I can't wait mm -hmm. to see the sketches that School children from across the country donate to Sketchfest. <laughs> oh, That's boy. what it's about, right? Pencil sketches? Uh -huh. Anyway, mm -hmm. then on Sunday, January 28th, we're going to be back in Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. Ooh. So again, that's January our 25th. Our LA home. Our LA hub home. January 25th, we'll be at Portland. Well, LA, it's LA home is his actual home. That's, that's the, a fair LA point. Let's not, let's not, <laughs> let's I not live interrupt under, Elliot to say these things. <laughs> no, no, that's this not. is great. We want to give as little information to the public about the things we're doing as possible. <laughs> So that's January 25th in Portland, Oregon at the Aladdin Theater. January 26th in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club as part of Sketchfest. January 28th in Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. And we have another show that I hope we can announce soon. Go to the events section of flophousepodcast.com and you will see that information with links to where you can buy tickets if Dan remembers to put that up on the site. So that's our Flophouse January West Coast tour. But hey, Let's say you don't live on the West Coast, even though it's the best coast. They rhyme. Let's say you live somewhere else, but you still want to see the Flop House. Get ready, because we got another episode of Flop TV coming up. Oh, boy. As we're recording this, I think this will be released on the day of the, the, next, the newest episode of Flop TV, if I'm remembering properly. If this is being released December 2nd, I can't remember, then it's tonight. Yes. Uh, yes, because we're recording these out of order. So I'm like, And what? I also huh? just wrote myself a note to put those events on the website. <laughs> Great. But write yourself a note to remind you to look at the note too. That'll be helpful. So tonight, December 2nd, mm -hmm. 2023, we're talking about, oh boy, Ballistic X versus Sever, the movie that may not exist. It's possible that we're going to find out if it's a real movie or not, uh, starring, what was it, uh, Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, right, as the titular X and oh, Sever. Oh, the quest we had to go just to find a viewable version of this film. It's true. Yes, it's not an easy movie to find, but we found it. And we're going to talk about it tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. For tickets, go to theflophouse.simpletix.com. That's theflophouse.simpletix.com. Hey, if you can't make it to tonight's show, that's okay. Your ticket 
get to access to the recording of the show right afterwards. And if you have a season pass, you can watch the recordings of all of our Flop TV episodes. This is our penultimate episode. Mm -hmm. We've got this one and then one more in January, and then that's this season of Flop TV, and your season pass still gets you access to those shows. So that's the Flop House live tonight in front of your eyes on your computer Mm -hmm. screen talking about a movie that, again, we had to work pretty hard to get a copy of it. It may not exist. But maybe you, maybe you're like one of those maniacs who's been saving up all your Flop TV episodes until the last one comes out, and then you're going to watch all of them all in one go just to see if your brain explodes. Well, that's what I was. It's, it's funny you say that because I was just about to warn the audience. You know, it, by all means, do it. But your window is closing. If you if you want to see the earlier ones, uh, it'll all be up through January. So it's not that. It'll be like a real time capsule. There's plenty of time, but, you know, if you want to see him, I just want to advise no one, you know, get left out if you want to be left in. Mm -hmm. Don't get left behind, as in the Mm -hmm. hit series of novels taking place after the rapture. Uh, You will have through January and then— with us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then as uh, feel the rapture of watching us, uh, as Dan says, after January, you won't have access to those episodes anymore. So watch them while you can. That's Flop TV. And if you can join us on the West Coast tour, please come see us in either Portland, San Francisco, or Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to be announcing those movies eventually when we decide which ones we're doing. <laughs> yeah. We should really decide uh, which ones we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, I have two things I wanted to mention personally. Uh, My comic book series, Hades, Disney Villains Hades, coming from Dynamite Comics, issue four has uh, come out, I think, the week before this episode is released. So that may still be on comic book store shelves. Issue five will come out the next month. And it's a really fun series. I hope you enjoy it. It's a comedy heist set in ancient Greece with all the mythological characters that you love. So please pick that up. And I'll also remind you that my podcast with Roman Mars about The Power Broker will be starting soon. I think it'll be the next episode of 99% Invisible after this episode goes up will be the introductory episode for this Power Broker series. So if you don't subscribe Whoa. to 99% Invisible— Do you Invisible, have a name for it? What's the name of it? I think it's called the 99% Breakdown, The Power Broker, or something like that. Oh, okay. I wanted to call it The Power Broker Breaker Downers. We'll see if I can convince Roman to change the title to that. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a hard hard sell, but I it's think it's going to be a hard sell. If you don't already subscribe to 99% Invisible, why? You should. It's a great show. But if you don't, start subscribing because that first episode is going to come up and you'll find out more about The Power Broker. Stu, I think you had something you want to tell us about too. Uh-huh. My Bar Minis uh, just got a new sweatshirt design and it goes on sale this week. Uh, it was designed by artist and friend Juan Pablo Ayala, who unfortunately passed away earlier this year. Uh, those shirts are going to be, the sweatshirts are going to be $50 plus shipping, and a portion of the sale will be going to a charity called To Write on Her Arms in His Memory. Uh, to order one in time for the holidays, go over to Minnie's Bar BK on Instagram and follow the link in our bio. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Stuart. I was busy subscribing to 99% Invisible, which I have listened to off and on. I don't want to insult, uh, it's a great show. I mean, all right. I mean, the thing is he's so successful. It's, he knows you're missing out. It's not an insult to him. Listening to it. You're like, oh yeah. Podcasts can be cool. And here's the thing. I like (laughs) a lot dumber podcasts in general. It's not, it's no reflection Mm -hmm. on Roman. It's a reflection on my particular intellect. (laughs) Um, but, um, Let's move on. You're like, well, to- why, why, I wish this was more about two or three knuckleheads talking about 1980s pajamas. <laughs> like pajamas yes, with please. 1980s cartoon characters on them. Thank you. Uh, let us move on to letters from listeners. Listeners like you. 
you want to write in to the Flophouse, uh, you can do it through our website. Uh, what's our website? Yeah, what's our website? Flophousepodcast.com. Flophousepodcast.com. Write to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but this first letter is from Bill Last Name Withheld, who writes, mm-hmm. Dear Peaches, Many quotable lines from movies permeate our culture. Most of the time, these are the best combination of a great film, great writing, and sharp delivery. For example, inconceivable. A single word is immediately connected to Wallace Shawn's perfect character in The Princess Bride. It occurred to me the other day that some lesser films have quotable lines that clearly punch above their weight. Films that are otherwise nothing special sometimes produce a pithy phrase that is as recognizable as Vizzini's protest. What got me thinking about it was, it's not a tumor, which, when delivered in an appropriately frustrated Austrian accent, crisply dis- delivers the sentiment intended. I don't know what that sentiment is. I guess that sentiment is not is a tumor. frustration. Frustration yeah. with the people you're dealing with, especially if they're kindergartners. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if it's... Uh, well, anyway, how how many people actually remember or even saw the movie it's from? What's your favorite quote that outshines uh, the It was a hit film, Bill. Yeah, from a yeah, more or less Kindergarten Cop I saw twice in the theater. Keep on flopping, <laughs> Bill. I, 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 I almost digressed there. It was because I remember often back at The Daily Show when we're, we were having to think of jokes. And yes. like, give me two more. There was always a, it's not a two more. Yeah. <laughs> Most responded. <laughs> Man, we did have fun. fun. We did have fun. We did have fun, yeah. No more, though. <laughs> We're old and embittered. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let me think. Uh, uh, badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Yeah. That's a line from but a what, movie. You mean from, but that's a line from, that's a, a, line from, from a, a great movie a great, also. Great film. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You can put it anywhere. Okay. That's. <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> Rule Intentions. Uh, uh, that movie stuck in my brain. <laughs> that, that line. Um, hey, uh, one that I'm thinking of, um, a movie that I like, but I will not put on, you know, any Mount Rushmore movies. Uh, I think that Wolfman has nards. Uh, uh, for Monster Squad. A sure. line that uh, really permeated the culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No the president seeing... was saying it. You couldn't go yeah. anywhere without hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> or Wolfman's Got Nards, I guess is the. Mm. This is yeah. a tough one because I feel like every time I think of something, I'm like, no, that was a pretty popular movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm having trouble. With the, what weirdly, the thing that's coming to mind is not a movie, but the song I Need More Allowance from the TV show Doug, which was one of the original Nicktoons. Mm. This is a song that the fictional band The Beats play in one episode. And for some reason, I think about it a lot. It pops into my head a lot. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. We got, uh, Elliot, I think you, I think you could be a, a pretty good Doug funny if they had to do a live action Doug funny as a 40 oh. year old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they did, if they Aged did a up. movie where yeah. he's, where he's grown up and gotten married and has a family, I think, thank you. Yeah. I think I could yeah, be I Doug funny. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um. Well, we really biffed this that. Do you, think he, uh, do you think he married Sally Pickles or? I thought it think, was Patty Mayonnaise. Oh, you're right, Patty Mayonnaise. Well, then he, but maybe he, they, that didn't work out though. He married this other uh, character that I've that I've apparently invent, invented. Well, Pickles, that's from Rugrats, right? That's uh, that's, that's true. Right. Oh yeah, so, so maybe he may, maybe might have remarried, you know, a younger. <laughs> So he married Patty Mayonnaise, and then they divorced, yeah. and he married a younger woman who was uh, Tommy yeah, Pickles' sister, LA. I guess. Yeah, classic LA swap. Well, those were all great quotes, guys. I think we answered that question. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Uh, this one's from Michael Lasting Withheld, who writes, 
Uh, hello, my darling peaches. I'm currently traveling abroad and suffering through a bout of traveler's tummy, which has triggered strange and vivid dreams. Mm. Last night, I dreamt that I (laughs) went to Manderley again. No, that's not what it says. Last night, I dreamt that I was having a serious conversation with you boys about the condition of our drum kit. The secondhand drum kit, finished in sparkle red, had seen better days and was in need of some TLC. Mysteriously, the bass drum... Red Zero Davis in Zoomy 3D lettering. That's the name of our band. <laughs> we yep, agreed that Davis. if we were going to get this rock band off the ground, we would at least need a new head on the snare and better sticks. Yeah. So, if you three floppers is, were in a three-piece rock money? band. <laughs> what, what's, I don't know. <laughs> well, we're, getting, we're getting to the ask. If, if you three floppers were in a three-piece rock band, which instruments would you play? What style of music? Who is your front man? Yours rockingly. And he's got the devil horns here. Oh, cool. My wow. yeah. Uh Dan, why don't you uh, why don't you go first? Well, it's tough because I mean, to my knowledge, now maybe I don't know, maybe you've got things that I don't know about you guys, and this is a you know li- I mean, lifelong a learning. You think you don't know. I can learn new things. <laughs> and I'd like well, to mostly keep it that stuff way. I don't want to hear about. But um I to my knowledge, I'm the only one who plays an instrument. Um, and I'm arguably the strongest singer. I don't want to insult anyone, but I think that Stu would be the the face, obviously. Like, oh, wow. it's a difficult Thanks. thing. Like, I feel like if no, we're no, forming I, a band, I would probably sing, but Stu should be the front man. Like, it should I could be somehow. See you, I could see you being the kind of, like, awkward, kind of uh, quiet when he's not on stage singer who writes mm. a lot of the songs, but you're not the most popular member of the band. Because Stuart, who's probably like on bass, I'm guessing. Yeah, oh, Stuart would yeah. be on bass. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic, the hire cool, the hot guy to cool play guy. bass. And of course, I'm and I'm just playing synth, and I don't need anyone to pay attention to me. I don't care, as long as oh, I got so my, my keyboard with me. It would be a guitar, bass, and synth band, so there's no drums. Uh, very much so. I can do that with a synth. We don't. We don't need it. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And yeah. and Stu, you know, the bass is a rhythm instrument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need a synth. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do all those John Carpenter covers that we do in our band? <laughs> that's what we're. Uh, that's yeah. our genre. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll take it. That's kind of taking away the singing part. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but, we do uh, covers that we then add a bunch add of lyrics. lyrics to. <laughs> there's lyrics to the Big Trouble in Little China song. It goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Halloween thing. Halloween thing. Halloween, 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 <laughs> yeah. Halloween. <laughs> I mean, we don't do only John Carpenter covers. We just do mostly John Carpenter covers. Yeah, lyrics mostly, added. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's so, yeah, that, I think let's we go. covered our whole, and well, we're, we're called like Zero, we're Davis, Zero Davis. Zero Davis, um, yeah. We'll go on tour opening for ourselves for our Flophouse tour. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, our fans <laughs> would love that, I think, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, we, that'd be, I actually... Love the idea of we all have false mustaches on. <laughs> and come out. Mm, I think that's play great. A few songs and then come out as ourselves afterwards. I love it. I love the idea of Dan putting a false mustache on top of his actual mustache, <laughs> his actual beard. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, I hope we've solved everyone's <laughs> I, problems. Of course, I'm not that. Dan McCoy. Dan McCoy has only one, not two mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> They're like Kenneth Branagh's Poirot. <laughs> <laughs> Double mustache man? Um, okay, well, let's... Um, that was one of the lesser Flash villains, double mustache man. <laughs> <laughs> but a great, uh, what, uh, viral video? Double mustache? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does what? it mean? Two mustaches, yeah. Um, let us recommend movies 
that we saw and enjoyed. Have you seen any movies lately, Dan? A more full thread. Well, I saw one with you. I oh, think I'm yeah. going to leave that say, one to you. I assume that's what you're going to recommend. Oh, we? okay. I can recommend that. I'll, I, I, you don't I, have I to. see a lot of movies too. I was going to recommend, uh, because it has our um, patron saint in it, um, Nicolas Cage. I saw a dream scenario. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That, it's a film that like, I, I, all the reviews I've read have been like mostly positive, but sort of like shruggingly positive. It seems like people are a little, I mean, they're not full-throated in their endorsement of it. And I, and from my perspective, I think it's probably because the movie resists like an obvious interpretation. It touches on a lot of stuff about sort of like the arc of fame and sudden fame and viral fame and most dangerously, I think people could take it as a uh, cancel culture, like anti-cancel culture screed, but I don't think it's that. It touches on it, but like I think the movie does some deft things to make it clear that that's not really where its heart is. Um, I, I think that it touches on those themes only in so much as, at least for me, it is an exploration of, okay, let's take this absurd premise. How would it play out in life? And that set, that does end up saying some things about human nature. But what I liked about it, it was a, it was a lot more sort of ground level than I was expecting. It is much more sort of a character study about this guy, what happens to him when he has this fame that he is unequipped for. And honestly, like, you know, he's nice enough, but sort of a schlub, like has done nothing in particular to deserve it and how it helps and hurts his life. And um, I don't know, it, it approaches it with a sense of like emotional realism that I wasn't necessarily expecting, but made it a lot richer for me than maybe the movie I thought it could be. So I enjoyed it. Dream scenario. Uh, yeah, the Dan and I went and saw Saltburn the other day, and I had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I previously mentioned uh, Cruel Intentions, and I feel like it's the movie's kind of like Talented Mr. Ripley by way of uh, Cruel Intentions. Uh, it's kind of less of a thriller. Like, I feel like ads are calling it a thriller, and I feel like it's more of a black comedy. Um, and it's like, silly and intentionally shocking and gross. Uh, and the, the two leads, horny. Are, it's, it's certainly horny, which is going to get already give you at least half a star from me. Um, the, like Barry Kagan's great. And oh man, what a, what a hog on that guy. Um, <laughs> Jacob Lordy's good, but really if the you fucking, want to see his hog. Yeah. If you want to see his hog, go <laughs> see this movie. movie. For you. Um, but the, uh, the fucking standout is Rosamund Pike is so fucking funny. She yeah. walks into this movie and just takes it over uh, yeah, it, so I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I don't, I didn't really like, I don't really take away much of a message out of it. Uh, I don't necessarily think whatever message it's trying to make, I don't even know if it's trying to make a message. I think it's just like trying to be a fun, horny, like thriller. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's touching on class stuff, but only in the most sort of uh, surfacey yeah. way and kind of like circusy. In a way. Yeah. Like a circus? I mean, there's like provocations in it, but I think it's more in sort of terms of like 
let me do some high tone trash, you know, let me yeah, just have fun. So, which sometimes you just need to check your brain at the door, right, Elliot? Mm-hmm. You got it. And speaking of high tone trash and checking your brain at the door, I'm going to recommend a movie that is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, this is a movie I think I mentioned in passing on a previous episode, and that is actually a trilogy of films called The Human Condition that were uh, directed by Masaki Kobayashi. Uh, there are three movies, No Greater Love, Road to Eternity, and A Soldier's Prayer that all came out between 1959 and 1961, and they are a – Lengthy series. It, altogether, it's about nine hours or uh, or so long, uh, telling the story of a young man played by uh, Tatsuya Nakade, a man named Kaji, who is so devoted to his principles that they often cause him trouble in the real world. And he feels like uh, the first obstacle in this path is he feels like he cannot um, – honorably marry his fiance because kind of the world is falling apart. This is right before, uh, right during World War II. Uh, and he finally does it. And in order to make a life for them, he has to keep kind of making moral compromises. In the first movie, he is an overseer at a prisoner of war camp where Chinese prisoners are forced into slave labor. In the second movie, he is forced into the army. And in the third movie, he is basically on the run as the Japanese army is being destroyed by the Soviets uh, in Manchuria. And at each point, you see him trying to live as a principled person by his specific code of ethics and either finding that he cannot because the world is so corrupt around him or finding that in order to survive, he has to compromise in some way because his ethics are untenable. Uh, And – it's a very it's a grueling series. It's really bleak, but the performances in it are great. There's some genuinely thrilling sections of it uh, where you think he's going to get caught, or you think that or there's um, they're in battle. Uh, but it's just really really good. So it is not a movie to watch when you're looking to have some fun or check your brain at the door. But it is a really kind of a kind of beautiful, rough, shattering experience, and that's the human condition. Um, well, three purely entertaining movies. Three last-minute <laughs> thrill just rides. Fun. Just fun. Just that. Just like just like the Flash. Just total fun. Not trying for anything else. Um. So, uh, thank you all for listening, mm-hmm. uh, listeners out there. Uh, if you want to find more great podcasts, you can go to maximumfun.org and check out the other podcasts on our network. Maximum fun. Uh, thank you to Alex Smith, who goes by the name Howell Doughty on the internet. Uh, he is our producer, and he makes us sound good. So that's kind of key, since this is just audio. We're not. You can't see us. You no. know. You can't. We can't. We can't do a bunch of razzle dazzle to take it take away from the audio sound. So can't thanks, touch Alex. us. Thankfully. Yeah. Uh, um. And well, Stuart's touching my shoulder. Uh, and uh, I guess that's it for the flop house. I've been Dan McCoy. Uh, I've been Stuart Wellington. I've been Elliot <laughs> Kalen. Join us later today or in the next couple days with Flop TV, theflophouse.simpletix.com. Okay, bye. Whoa. <laughs> oh, man, I keep getting better. <laughs> <laughs> thing is, when, when this drops in people's ear holes, they're going to say it's worth it. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, get that out of my ear hole. <laughs> <laughs> something dropped in there. something in my ears, as they say in what? An unction of a Montebank. Yeah. Rathacon. <laughs> oh, here's okay. the problem. You got a Rathacon here. <laughs>
Decepticon. Anything there? Okay, let's move on. Nope. (laughs) I'll tell you. No, there's nothing there. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.